I have never been wrong with this. Every single person who's listening to this right now or who sees this already has an investor in their phone book. They probably just don't know it. Yeah, we're just taking quiet, it into Probably one of my quiet episodes. I'll just listen I've never seen Rob so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Rob was just like, I'm just taking it in. I was like, JV, BRR, RAH. But guy. You get into the real world, no one cares about your age, man. Mm. I and has quiet. No one has mental quiet. I don't experience that mental quiet. There's always something going on. There's a There is always something that you can offer that somebody else can't. An individual thing, maybe not. But as a collection of everything together, no one else has the same setup of a balance of traits that you do. Self-reflection. I'm pretty sure you, the gifts you had, you didn't just, they just come to you like that. You had to really think about what do I actually like to do? Yes. The last, not the last one I bought, the, one before, the, the, the penultimate one that I bought, I bought for 39999 quid. You can get houses, seriously. 39 What's good, people? Is that time of the week? Is that time of the day? My name is Coach Klutzet and we are back again with another big, big episode and another amazing, amazing guest. But before we introduce him, as I said beforehand, my name is Coach Klutzet. Thank you once again for clicking on this video and trust and believe and believe in trust. Stay to the end because it'll be an absolutely jam-packed episode. Jono, talk to them, please. I'm Jonathan. Nice mm -hmm. to meet you. I run a digital <laughs> marketing agency. That's what I do. Yes. Um, and then we're here today on a podcast once mm -hmm. again with an amazing guest. Yes. Obviously, I, will, I can't even do him justice. <laughs> Usually it's Rob that does yes. the people them justice. Yes. Because of his WWE intros. Yes, yes. Um, I'd just like to say before he, all of that, James is even laughing. Oh, said his name. <laughs> you already know his name by the title. But... um. Before we do all of that, I want to say that I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to this. Yes, um, met James twice actually now. Mm -hmm. Briefly the first time at the event, like very, very briefly. Yeah. But then more so the second time at our other event that we had the other day. But I'm very much looking forward to this. Thank you, man. Oh, it's, it's so good to be here. Yeah. Like it's it's so good. Who introduced you to yet, man? Yeah, this guy. He's the one you don't I want to do my thank yous anyway. We're in a good positive vibe and a really okay, positive space. On. And I I love this. We we could we, we we apparently have a whole episode to talk about me. So like <laughs> you know, I, I just wanted to really want to thank you guys. Obviously, I'd spent time at two of your events now, yeah. one one with Gen Z as well. And you know, a few people have said to me, you know, like, what, what, not so why do you go to these events, but more like, you know, how were they? Did you get anything out of them? Yeah. And what they really meant is like, do you get any money or do you get any sales mm. or whatever? I'm like, yeah, that's that's cool. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But I didn't go to those events for that reason. Mm. I went because when you're around people who are starting out, yeah. there is a hunger and a fire in their bellies mm. that is like infectious. Mm. And after you've been doing anything for a couple of years or whatever, it's, it can be easy to lose that. Yeah. And yet that, that fire, that drive, that hunger is so important. And it's what really makes entrepreneurs entrepreneurs. Mm. And I think I just missed a little sense of it. And when I went to that first event, I was like, yo, this is cool. <laughs> kick. I want to yeah, yeah. be back in this space and I, mm. I want to feel this again. So, yeah, man, thank you for facilitating yeah, cool. a room full of awesome people. Yeah. And especially in this generation as well, when there's so many people who are just at home playing cult. Yeah. 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 It's needed, man. It's needed. A environment like that is needed because... When you when you're when you're on when you're on your own, sorry, in this journey, right, you can feel like there's no one else on the same mindset as you mm. or the same goals or aspirations as you. But when you facilitate something like that, we're all in the same room, yeah. you look around, you're like, wow, there's other people on the same journey as me. I'm not alone. So now, nah, once again, thank you for coming, man. And we are privileged. There's gonna be many more of those coming up very, very soon. So mm -hmm. guys, stay tuned. But before we go any further, you heard the man. You heard him speak, but let me introduce him so you guys know who he is. Mm. <laughs> so this is James, right? He is an award winning property man. An investor, mm. a sourcer, mm. and also a mentor. But above all of that, though, a generally a good, good guy. Yeah. As you said, very zealous, very hungry, always willing to grow. Not someone who's just don't made um, done all these successful moves and just and is just content 
in that move, but rather you're always willing to grow and willing to love everyone. So, guys, please, please help us introduce Mr. James. Thanks, guys. Mr. AWT. Evening. That was, that was quite an intro, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. he's a very good at it. He's very, very good at those intros. Thank you good, very man. much. He's Thank good. you very much. Yeah, I imagine him like doing it with like a you know a big like deep voice from effects, being like, <laughs> "Welcome <laughs> to this." Oh, like, you can do that too. Yeah, as well. not, man? Because yeah, you used to love WWE in it back man. in the day, man. Oh yeah, you used to. Yeah, yeah, you used day, to. Man. <laughs> but yeah, as I was saying though, in fact, not as I was saying, what we always like to do, I guess, we asked you at our um our event. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you remember the answer now. Yeah. But what we always do, as you guys know. Purpose of the family, we ask the guest one simple question, and it's this If this part of your life was a chapter in your book, what would it be called and why? You know, just as you were asking that question, I remember you asking it at the event, and I was trying mm. what I said. Don't you remember? It's funny though, because like my initial gut feeling about what it's about is exactly the same for me. It comes mm. down to one word patience, but patience. Uh, the title I gave it on the event and the title I give it now, if I was writing the book and was actually giving it a chapter, I would call it like The Long Wait. Mm. Okay. You know, it, there's. Property's not a fast game. Yeah. Generally speaking, business and life can be slow as well. I mean, yeah. things change so regularly all the time, but when you're caught up in the middle of it, it can be it can be hard to it could be hard to kind of see where you're going and constantly keep your eyes on the future whilst looking at today too and find that balance is very, very difficult. And for me, especially within the real estate business, like mm. especially within development as well, where yeah. all these deals are two, three, four years long. And it's not like I didn't know that. Like, yeah. I knew that when I started them. Mm. But yeah, you just have to wait. And there is a lot of work throughout it as well. So it's not like you forget about it or, or anything like that. It's just more like you're working for a long time. Yes. And yeah, fine. If you have your own cash and you're doing your own deal and you can build in management fees and stuff for yourself. But predominantly when you're starting out doing any deal, you're most likely in most JVs going to be like, right, you bring the money. I'll do all the work. Wait, JV is? Joint venture. Thank you. I.e. Mm -hmm. two people coming together for a common purpose. Mm -hmm. Most commonly, someone brings the money. Someone brings what we call the sweat equity, i.e. the time, the experience, the knowledge, the effort. Yeah. And then you do the deal and at the end of it, there's some profit and you split it 50-50. Okay. Mm. Well, if that deal's three years long, you're doing all the work for three mm. years and then you get paid the back end. You know, And you usually get paid pretty well. Mm. But the point is you're still working for three years, three years. without a paycheck and you've got to keep your eyes on the goal and where you want to be and what you've got to do. Damn. And and remember that it's coming, but also be patient. Mm. And yeah, you mentioned it already. Like, I struggle with staying in one place like being content even now i guarantee you know the camera's going to be like trying to keep holding me as i move around even at the event you said you spoke to like someone different yeah, I never sat two minutes and you yeah exactly so yeah like for me it's 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 the long way it's that chapter where i'm i'm building some of that that patience and that uh i guess resilience just like mm. seeing forwards and where things are going uh patience is a virtue at the end of the day it's something yes, i've been working yeah. on for many years mm. when i was younger as it was <laughs> not one of my strong suits yeah um but yeah, you know, you, you everyone has different everyone has different skills, everyone has different benefits and characteristics. And you know, I think on one hand, I may be still dealing with, with the patient side of it all, but on the other side, you know, I'm I'm quick to make decisions, mm. quick to make actions. Mm. And you know, Decisive. one is not necessarily better than the other, you need both. Yeah. You know, and to be a rounded, balanced human who can grow as far as they can, you know, sometimes you've got to grow into those areas you don't like. In fact, yeah. more often you have to grow into those areas you don't like. You're That's how you see growth. Is. Yeah. Exactly. You know, you look for where there's a bit of fear or a bit of nervousness. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I love it and I hate it, but if I feel a little bit of like fear or nervousness, I said to myself years ago, and I really wish I'd never said it, because <laughs> um, it's hard. Like every time I feel it, I then have to go and do it. Yeah. If I catch myself being like, oh, 
you're a bit reluctant to go speak to that person, but I've got to do it now. Yeah. And I've I put myself that. out. So I then have to go and do it. And it's Wait, great because it drives your business forwards. But when it's did tough you make that when did you make that switch then? So it, it must Pretty have been a point where the start of my entrepreneur journey, really. So it was actually at the start. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not easy, you know. Especially when you go networking for the first time. How do you go speak not. to a stranger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that yeah. is hard. And it ne- it gets easier, but it never gets super easy. Like, what is your question then, bro? Go on. How did it all begin? How does property journey all begin? We'll talk about Good property, question. we'll talk about development, we'll talk about the yeah, three, yeah. four year patients. The JVs. The JVs, mm. right? Joint ventures for the people then. If you're listening, make sure you're listening. But how did it all begin, this property journey? I'm going to start about a year or so before property. Okay. Um, 2016? Give or take, yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. I'll give you a condensed version. So I, uh, I went to college or whatever when I was at college. I thought I was going to go to uni like everybody else. Yeah. And like everybody else, I had loads of like names on my UCAS app, but yeah. I only ever wanted to go to Bath. Wasn't interested in the rest of them. Uh, I was just like, yeah, uni. It didn't really catch me. But okay. that one course, that one uni, I was like, yeah, fine. And as I was doing my A-levels, I kind of worked out that I was never going to get in. Even if I got like 100% every mm-hmm. paper, I was like, yeah, I, I bombed too bad last year. Right. This ain't going to happen. Mm. And um, not wisely, I just kind of packed it in, decided I wasn't going to revise and just kind of live a happy life throughout the uh, well, study leave, which was mm. great. Um, Should have, you know, worked on my on my work ethic and stuff. But nonetheless, came out, got some grades. And I kind of said to myself, right, you have three years to make the same money, which at the time was like, I think 26 and a half grand a year was the average graduate salary. I was like, right, you got three years to make that. If you did that, then actually not going to uni was a good decision. That's kind of how I justified it to myself. Okay. Spent a few months, um, not really doing anything. Over the next couple of years, I had a few like dead end jobs, stacking shelves and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of working out that life wasn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be, that mm. I still have a lot to learn and... Actually, yeah, the world of life is the world of work is very different to the life you have at school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the stuff is big time. Fence you on a platter. You actually have to go out and do stuff. Um, throughout that period, I, I did some freelancing as a sound engineer. Yep. And, um, that comes into play later, and I kind of carried that on for a while. And it was, I guess, it was my first love, and that was very much entrepreneurial. In the case, I had to go out and meet people, and I was mm. networking, and okay. I met some really cool people. You know, yeah. I. Had, at some really cool events, like really awesome events. And some of the guys I met, they've been touring globally with um, bands you probably recognize, like Boy George and, and Paul mm-hmm. Butler and stuff like that. So like big names from, from a few years back. So people knew what they were doing. And then I kind of did the maths and was like, actually, you know, average engineers making like 40 grand, 45, maybe even 60 grand a year if they're really good. And I'm like, yeah, I kind of want a bit more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided that that particular career sector wasn't for me, but it mm. was bringing in money. So I carried on doing it. Mm. Um, and do you enjoy it? When you're doing I did it, enjoy it, and you okay. know I still enjoy it. And let me come back to the enjoyment piece because it is—it's a big topic that is super important. Mm. Um, but yeah, so as I came out of that, I then um, stacking shelves, whatever. And then my my mum came home one day and was like, "Look, seen a job, full time pay, whatever. Why don't you have a go have a look at it?" I applied for it, got the job. Three months later, um, super condensed story. I was basically realised I was quite good at what I was doing. What was the job in? I was working for the revenue man. I was collecting taxes. Okay. Oh, so right. it was kind of cool, actually, because it got me used to speaking to people on the phone. Uh, and it got me used to speaking to people on the phone that I didn't know and about topics that I don't want to talk about. Mm, people don't want yeah. to ring up and fix the tax. Yeah. And, I, and people do not want to hear from me when I'm ringing up asking them for to pay their tax. Essentially, yeah. cold calling. Uh, some of it. Some uh, of like it. When you start out, a lot of it's the inbound stuff. So people okay. are ringing up to actually solve it after you right. get better, then you go on outbound. But, okay, okay. Yeah. And it was kind of useful for that. And, and I learned how the system worked as you do in school, where I could get extra time for breaks and whatnot. And, okay. You know, I always claimed that I'd smoke so I can get like 15 <laughs> minutes an hour or whatever, <laughs> nattering with people. And it was cool. Um, 
and yeah, I just kind of had the whole rat race experience super early on. Yeah, you know, I, I did pretty well there, and 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 people liked me and stuff. But I I I just had the rat race experience super early. Eight? I was like probably like nineteen. Okay. Wow. And you know, I was making like twelve hundred pound a month. It was an average salary, mm -hmm. but I had like a thousand pound a month of disposable income, so I was basically balling. Yeah, and especially, that, especially at that age too. Yeah, thousand yeah. pound a month. I could literally go on holiday to like Malaga or Spain mm -hmm. or, yeah. or Amsterdam or. Hey, if I save for like three months, I could probably have a pretty decent trip to New York and back. Like, yeah. So I had loads of spare money, if you will, what I thought was loads of money at the time. And mm. uh, I quit my job on the basis of that. I was like, yeah, forget this. Spent three months unemployed. And throughout that period, I learned the true value of boredom. I learned so much about myself in that period. It was crazy. Wow. Not having anything to do, not having any obligations, not needing to go out. I thought I should go on holiday. You know, I sat at home. I didn't really do anything. Never really mm. went out. Mm. And I hated it. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would say go as far as saying I was depressed. It's probably unfair on people who actually suffered with it. But mm -hmm. I was getting low. Yeah. Mm. And one day I remember I was walking down the street and I saw an old mate of mine I went to primary school with and say, hey, man, how's things? Mm. He's like, you know what? They're really, really good. You know, uh, settling in with the missus, you know, just got a dog or whatever, got a <laughs> paying job. You know, yeah. Thinking maybe we'll try for kids next year or whatever. Like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, damn. And no, no, nothing man mm -hmm. and you know he was really spoiled he didn't say anything about it but I felt so ashamed in that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how old were you at the time lonely then? like about, about 19 this was so um, 2017 okay settling down with a missus at that age he was he was a year or two above me so he was oh okay well even still yeah he's settling down he wasn't married or anything like okay, that okay. he was probably like 20 at the time but retiring <laughs> from the game so retiring yeah. from the game anyway you know it is in the Christian world like there's loads of get married at 18 so yeah like I just felt really low and I didn't mm. really know what I wanted to do, but I knew that the regular work life wasn't for me. Mm. I knew that the the engineering like sound thing, whilst I enjoyed it, wasn't for me long term. And throughout that, I, I met a, um, my dad came home one day and just basically said, I'm going to a networking event tonight. Do you want to come? And I was oh. like, well, I guess I may as well. And he's like, well, look, you need to get a job. You got to do something. You can't stay at home. You're coming with me. Mm -hmm. I was like, all right, sweet. So we went over to Leicester and a guy got on stage and he was talking about how you buy houses for no money. I'm like, it's picked up. I was like, I quite like to buy a house with no money, you know. This sounds like a good idea. Yeah. I should give it a go. Yeah. And he gave me his book. I took his book home. It was signed. I thought, yeah, I'm going to read that. Put on the sign for tomorrow. Got up the following morning. Didn't look at the book. Mm. A, few weeks, a few weeks went by. Uh, one of the guys I was doing some sound stuff with said, hey, why don't you come along and work with me as a Sparky? Um, What's that mean? Electrician, apologies. Oh, okay, right, right. Yeah, so uh, just a tradesman. And he was like, I'll train you and all the rest. It was like, mate, I am not going back to college. Mm -hmm. It was not, I'm not interested in that. I'll just work as a laborer for you. Like, I'll pick up how to do it, whatever. Your other guys can sign it off. And I'll just kind of work with you. And this was really quite a blessing for me, actually, because it was relatively flexible. I could work within reason the hours I wanted to, within mm -hmm. reason. I could take unpaid leave without it being a massive issue because okay. I was unskilled. Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, hmm. I wasn't relied on to sign stuff off. Yeah. Um, but I could also do loads of works. And there was loads of events, especially on the weekends. Uh, and throughout that period, you know, I was getting up at like 5 a.m. I had like an hour and a half commute in the cold. This is like Beast of the East times working outside. Uh, it, was, it was rough. But at the same time, I think it was really useful for me to go through that period of just straight up hard work mm -hmm. and hard graft. Um, I was pulling insane hours through that. And, and I remember one weekend we did 51 hours in three days after a 60 hour work week. Um, and, and for me, it's useful having lived all that. Yeah. I got into entrepreneur space then. I was like, I can do this. Yeah. I can mm. put the hundred hours in. It's not going to kill me. I know that this is okay. Yeah. Because you know, you've, you've already been stretched yeah. to that point where and it's like, even when you're doing the entrepreneur stuff, you're still getting stretched, but it's not to that extent. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So about two weeks after I started that job, 
um, I kind of, I wouldn't say I had the rat race experience again, but I was going to put 5 a.m. There mm-hmm. were plenty of days where I got up and I was like, why, man? Can mm-hmm. I please go back to bed? And I thought, I never read the book. I sat down, I read the book, and I was not a big reader. This was the first book I'd ever read. Wow. And um, I blitzed in like two hours. It what? wasn't, it wasn't it? a big book. It was oh, a big book but I blitzed in like two hours. We talking, what, like 100 pages? 120, something like, yeah. 120 pages. Very big text as well. It was great for me. Yeah. <laughs> Which was good. Like, like for me, that's there. what I wanted because yeah. it gave me some information I needed. Got my, got my palate. Accessible. Where, you know, got a bit of taste of it. And on the back pages, you know, like, meet some people, do this, do that. And he's like, come to the course. Um, so... I uh, went and did a training event in January and then also, that was like kind of through Beast of the East and all the rest of it. So all that was happening at the same time I was learning. And when I got the job as a Sparky, although I hadn't read the book yet, I was kind of already sold, within reason already sold on property. So I said, right, I got 12 months. Work for this, make some money because I still need to get paid. But like 12 months, I want to be out. That was November 17. Um, then spent January, February, March, all the way through to back end of August learning what I had to do, going to mm. every course I could, going out to networking events, just soaking up information, mm. YouTube videos, podcasts, articles, blogs, books, mm. the lot, just consuming as much information and content as I could. Wait, were, you see these events that you're going to, were they paid or were they free? Oh yeah, I paid for them. Okay. I took out a 10 grand loan. Really? Oh. It, I actually had to go to 16 different banks. It was the 16th bank that said yes to the loan. Mate, really? I was committed. I'd already told them I had the money. I'd already yeah. paid for it on like a, a charge card. So I had like four weeks to clear it. And I came home and my mom was like, what are you doing? Yeah. What? What are you doing? But my mom, bless her, I don't, she never said this or anything, but I, I felt it. She may not have been for what I did, mm. but she was for me. And mm. she knew full well that if she was going to pull me down and drag me down and question what I was doing, like it was not going to help the problem. Mm-hmm. Fundamentally, yeah. I had to, if she couldn't convince me to go get a refund or pull out or whatever it might've been, whether they've offered that, I don't even know. Then, you know, it, it wouldn't have made any difference. So she was like, well, look, I can't offer you help. I'm not going to be minded deals or anything, but I will support you, you know? So she never dragged me down. She was always, always wonderful. Same with my dad. My dad was more for it, to be honest. He's more entrepreneur. My mom's more, much more risk adverse. Mm. But yeah, you know, she, she always supported me. And whenever I'm talking to Welcome. people who are like, trying to get into something entrepreneur and their family mm. are against me, I'm like, look, these are your family. They're looking out of you. They're saying no out of love. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. they want to protect you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't have to agree with what you're doing. Just, you know, come to some form of agreement where you won't press it upon them that they have to go and do this as well because they're probably not going to be solved. Yeah. Um, but understand that, you know, they will support you in this. Like, they'll give you the encouragement. They'll give you the motivation. Tell them about what you're doing. Use them to keep you accountable because they want to see you succeed more than everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't want to tell you, I told you so. Yeah. yeah. You know, but they will. Yeah. If you don't go out and do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so as I was learning all these courses, uh, I met an investor. So, sorry, hold on. Can we just start? Really just... I feel like that's a there really good so, point. That's on. a really good point. A lot just happened there. So, that's okay. A... <laughs> so there's so many lessons that could be drawn from what you just said. Like, yes, please. First of all, one of them I would say is investing into yourself. Yes. Oh, yeah. And, and believing in yourself and how yeah, yeah, those yeah, two yeah. kind of are linked, interlinked. Yeah, yeah. Because you had to believe in yourself before you invested in yourself. Yeah. And I was here thinking, oh, maybe he's just going to free courses. Maybe he's doing this and, and getting these books from different people. Just kind of like low budget stuff. No, you were investing into yourself and investing into your course, mind. I paid for using my overdraft. I extended my overdraft to pay for it. So that was straight debt. The second one was a loan that I got and it was like 17, 16.9% per annum. The interest, it was disgusting. Ugh. It was disgusting. People, that's not a normal percentage. Nah, but I just took it because... Those are the only people who are offering it to me. And my genuine like thoughts were, well, I'm going to have to raise money to buy a house. So if I can't even raise money to buy a course mm. that's like 10 times cheaper than a house, mm-hmm. how the hell am I going to buy a house? Mm-hmm. I kind of saw it as Everything. step one. Yeah. yeah. I want to jump in real quick, right? One thing which I've learned from this so far, right, 
it's just the power of that every single thing your life has led to this point today. Yeah. So we spoke about this a bit earlier on, right? Yeah, yeah. You wake up early in the morning and have to do all those hours, right? It yeah. taught you the power of working hard for something. But also yeah. now, not only are you working hard for something, you're working hard for something which you actually enjoy to do. Yeah. Another thing which I've learned through this story alone is the importance of persistence. Yeah. You're persistent beforehand in the rat race, working hard, even though you don't enjoy it. And I look at you now, you're able to do what you're doing now. And the 16 banks. The 16 banks, the yeah. The 16 banks said, said yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we'll talk a bit later on how the amount of times you had rejections on the way, Oi, you still stay yeah. persistent. We haven't even got into the story. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so this, is, this is what's crazy is when you're starting out. Like all these problems you're having, you think are, are like life-changing and world-ending. Yeah. Mm. I mean, they're not great but they're nothing compared to what it's like when you actually get going. Like yeah. the stuff you will have to deal with when you know what you're doing, mm -hmm. or you begin to know what you're doing, certainly. Mm. Like it's a whole new ball game. And we talk, I talk about good problems a lot. And, and yeah, you can put yourselves in positions where you have to manifest solutions. Mm. And the easiest way to, the easiest analogy for this is when you're going to the gym, right? A lot of people have motivation, then they go to the gym. Fantastic. Sometimes you won't have motivation, but you go to what? the gym and after your first set, you do have motivation. Yes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the action comes before the motivation. Yes. Well, you can do the same thing in business. And like, let's say, let's say you want to buy a house for free and you want to go borrow money from someone, do a deal and then pay them back and make some money for yourself too. Like go and put an offer on a house. If you haven't said yes to doing it already, just go put an offer on a house and tell them you're going to buy it. Guess what? Now people are going to be asking you when you're going to complete. Mm. Now you're in a position where you have to manifest a solution. You have to go out and find these people. That's accountability. Yeah. So you can force yourself to be accountable, even if there's nobody else around you that will keep you accountable. Mm. And even if you can't point. keep yourself accountable, put yourself in a position where you have to win. If a bank is calling you every day because you owe the money, trust me, at some point you'll find the money. Mm -hmm. When your back's against the wall, yeah, you have to find a way out. I would say, right, people, people, humans in general, people, people in general, right, we're scared of letting people down. So you put yourself in a position where you have to get something done mm -hmm. by a certain time mm -hmm. makes you have to that get it done. That fear just drives you on further. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. like, it's not a good fear to have, hmm. but you can still use it. Yeah, 100%. 100. We're all fearful, but use the fear to power you or not to, exactly. to keep you in a box. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, use the yeah. fear there to make sure that you got the job done. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful way to use it. Turning it around and use it for your gain. But please continue, man. I was literally just at the end. Then. And then in August, met a client, drove up to Hull three hours for a cup of coffee to meet him. And in September, I sold my first deal to him. And the day that I sold that deal and the day the money landed in the bank, two things happened. The first one is a light bulb went up in my head that how repeatable it was. I was mm. deal sourcing. So I found an investor, found a deal that worked. I sold the deal to him for a few grand. And then, sorry, explain to them what a deal is. What does it look A house that you think is a good investment, mm -hmm. to be honest with you. So, for example, it could be a, a house that you find for like 60 grand. And yes, houses do go that cheap for our London fellows. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, the last, not the last one I bought, one before the 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 penultimate one that I bought, I bought for thirty nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine quid. You can get houses seriously. Thirty nine. That's like a grand. car. You can't yeah. even get a mortgage on it. That's how cheap it is. That's what. That is serious. Nuts. Serious. So how yeah, big was it? What one two bathroom? Bed terraced. Nah, two bed terraced. Two bed. I mean, it was battered. Let's not get it out. Of the okay, way. right. Slightly different strategy. I was buying something battered. Okay. Um, or if you ever watched Times Under the Hammer. Yeah, my dad used to watch. Right. That, so like similar that. story. You buy a house for X. You spend some money on it. You sell it for a bit more. You make okay. Profit, right. So let's say that type Flipping. of deal. That's a flip. Exactly. Yeah. Let's say that's what your client was after. Uh, tip there if you know what your clients after. Ask them. Mm -hmm. Oh, genius. And then once you've got what they want, yeah. then you just sell it to them for a few grand. A deal like that where you, you buy it and sell it and make some money, probably sell for like four grand. Um, yeah. Sorry, I've I just seen something very like... You can do it again. In what you're saying, similar to what like the e-com guys would say. Mm -hmm. So for them, even for me, when I did my first store, I saw that 
when that first payment came through yeah. that someone has bought my item yeah, yeah, online, yeah. I'm like, this can do this again. This can happen again. It's like, what, what if do I did it once a week? Okay, now what if I did it like once a day? Mm-hmm. And that's how this like the penny drop moment happened in mm-hmm. your head as a business when we are like, oh, I see how this scales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see the vision. The second thing I did was I quit my job. On that day that on you that got day. the first job. Wait, question, question, question before you say that, right? From the moment you took this journey seriously to the, to the moment you got paid, how long was that journey? You went through it, but how long was it from November the start you started? November till the following September. It's like 10 months. Okay. Okay. I said I had 12, so I was all right with that. Okay. Do you know what's another thing that's very interesting? Yeah. What we've realized with the people that come here on the podcast is that there are periods of their life where they go through a lot of change or something it takes for something to, to come into fruition, right? Oh, and it's yeah. always around like nine months, which is the same amount of time it takes Next for a baby. Minute. Do you see what I'm saying? About 10 months. Bro, that's a great point, man. Do you see what I'm saying? It's so point. interesting. Sorry, I just found that very, very interesting. Yeah, that's a great point, man. There might be some more in there that could be dug out. That's, that's well worth looking into. And just that's really interesting, man. Because even if you think about a baby too, right? If it comes out too prematurely, you can have problems, right? And that's the same thing with our dreams. Fast, yeah. If we yeah. do, our, if we push too fast, we go too fast, the don't dot the I's, don't cross the T's properly, yeah. what happens? We don't finish the job properly. We don't get the job done properly. So I that's a why really good point. Monster. That's an interesting time, like... I know obviously the year is a like a man-made concept in terms of management of time, but like, mm. still like nine months is an interesting period. But yeah, so that, that was really interesting. I think when moving into property, you know, a lot of those lessons I learned through the other periods were really, really useful. And the enjoyment thing, oh, I really want to touch on this. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much money you make and it doesn't matter what industry you're in, what sector you're in. It doesn't matter how old you are when you have the realization or you decide to make the decision. But please, if you're listening to this, mm. do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying go out and you know sleep with everybody or, or go rob somewhere like, I, mean, <laughs> I mean like what is it that you really want to do with your life mm. where do you want to be where do you want to grow to mm. you know and for me the people that are close to me are not necessarily people in property not necessarily people who make money they're people who are actively pursuing what they want to do in life mm-hmm. and I think if driven. you really want to find yeah. driven yeah, yeah but Driven not in like a pointless career that they don't want to do. People can be driven in their career and not love a single minute of it. True. I had a stat this morning that was scary. In the UK, do you know that only 9.1% of people who are employed actually feel enthusiastic about what they do? Wow. 9%. That's like one in 10. One in 10. Goodness gracious. Please, if you're trying to find happiness or purpose in your life, if you want to be purpose-led, come on. Do what you want to do. Yeah. And it is the hardest question in life to answer, I think. What do you want to do with it? Yeah. But when you find what that is, and if you don't know, just go test stuff out. Just go mm. do stuff. That's exactly that's what, what I say. That's exactly like, what just, I say. Just go start a job in, in, in digital marketing. Yeah. If you hate it, you hate it. Cool, pack it in. Go do something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe move to property. Maybe, maybe, maybe go property. Exactly. Maybe do e-commerce. Yeah. Maybe become an author or an yeah. artist. Yeah. Like, just do something that you love. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, I did find a love in, in the sound side of things. And I found a love in business as well, specifically within sales and relationships. Mm. But, like... Do what you want to do because mm. you'll never be happier. And yeah, there'll still be some days where you don't want to get out of bed. But just please just like go and do what you want to do. And you can find other ways of making money in things that don't pay. You know, like if you want to, for example, you want to run a charity. That's cool. You could still have a passive income from whatever it might be that somebody else sorts out for you. Mm-hmm. That you do once and then you set up and then you got like two, three, four, five grand a month coming the rest of your life. Certainly and you can system. dedicate the rest of your life to helping mm. other people. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be something that makes you money you know so but 
yeah, like I really call upon people, especially young people, you know, find out what it is you want to do and don't feel like you're forced into going to uni or getting a job or even starting a business and, and doing all this other stuff. That's really like just find what it is that you love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, as long as it's healthy and pursue it. Yeah. And I think you'll you'll find bigger changes in your life in that front and you'll have more motivation to do other things. But the biggest thing that property did for me that I mm. didn't learn in the previous ones was the self-discipline and accountability. When you work for somebody else, you've got to turn up at a certain time where you get sacked, right? Or you don't mm-hmm. get paid. And mm-hmm. you know, they bring the accountability. When you work for yourself, no one is telling you to get out of bed in the morning and go mm-hmm. and right, we even look for some deals or go out and do some viewings. Now, you've got to do that yourself. You've yep. got to get out and you've got to physically do it. And crazily enough, I'd had trouble like building in a regular schedule of exercise at the time. Within three, four weeks of starting property, it just fell in naturally. And wow. it was a piece of piss. Like it was so easy to do. And because I was like saying in one area of my life, I'm going to do this and then going and achieving it, other areas of my life, that started Isn't happening. Isn't that as funny? Well. We spoke mm. about it beforehand. Like, yeah. when well, you start working in one area of your life, naturally other things start to fall into place too. It's not mm. funny how people who are successful in one area of their life somehow successful in other areas of their life. Mm-hmm. Like, there's many people. Michael Jordan. Yeah, Michael, Michael Jordan. Too. He, when he took up golf, he took up baseball, but he was doing he was doing everything. Yeah, because yeah. he can. He's just he's just someone. He's a high achiever. He just is successful at what he does. Yeah, even in business as well, he's very good at what he does. Shaq, same like, thing. When you call people like a high achiever. Mm. It says it kind of gives the 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 vibe that it's like an innate characteristic to them. It's like a, mm. a personality trait. And to some extent, I reckon it's built upon your personality traits. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you're inherently a high achiever just by the way you're born in your genetics. Oh, I, no, not at all. Because yeah. the way that Michael Jordan started, yeah. he wasn't even on the team at the start. No. Yeah, I'm saying great. he's a high achiever in his yeah. in the, the place that he's in. Yeah, yeah. Because he's one of the best players who's ever been playing basketball. Oh, he's great, yeah. See, the greatest of all time, some people call him. And I, I wouldn't blame him for calling him that because he's a very, I wouldn't want to go against him in a 1v1. <laughs> but I mean, I'm tall enough, right? I'm tr- tall enough. I'm tall enough, That's... but maybe not skilled enough. You know? yeah, <laughs> not high achievery enough. But my point, but I hear no, but I hear, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Because it, some people will use it in that context. But the only reason I use that for Michael Jordan is because he is so, his level of talent is is stupid. And it yeah. carries across in different you all facets talent, of his life. Right? And usually the yeah. area that you love will probably be built to some extent on yeah. natural gifts and talent. Mm. But you still have to nurture them, you still have to grow them. Mm-hmm. And all of the skills and characteristics you need around that are usually things that you've got to self-manifest mm-hmm. again. I want to touch on two points right there. So one thing I want to say too, right, in terms of acting, like I use an example, you know you said how like when you started being disciplined your your your, uh, your journey property, right, yeah. other things started, started to fall into place. There are so many actors, for example, right, they start their journey of acting and they start going very high in acting, right, and then suddenly now they're in great shape. Why is that? Because as you said, when you do one thing, other things start to fall into place. Yeah. Another, thing, another thing I want to touch on too, right, which, which is what you said, which is a really good point, right, is the fact that everyone has gifts. Like you said it right there, you said it quite quickly, but I wanted to really stop and think about that. Everyone has gifts. Your gifts need to be nurtured. They need yeah. to be pursued. And also they need to be, they need to be recognized by you, by, your, by yourself first of all, because there's no point having these gifts in place if you don't recognize it. And the question you're probably thinking right now is how do you do that? How do I even think about the gifts I have? One, I will say, ask your friends. Literally about to say the same thing. And two, self-reflection. I'm pretty sure you, your, the gifts you had you didn't just they just come to you like that you had to really think about what do I actually like to do you did that put the work in now look at you now so just a very quick tip for everyone right now you're thinking to yourself what's my gift I don't even know where to start like take time to really think and also ask your friends which is important which is why it's so important for you to have good people around you and say to your friend that the specific thing you can ask them um, is what am I good at 
what what am I unreasonably good at? Like, yeah. what am I good at that not everybody is good at? Yeah. That is specifically what you should ask him. And then you might even be surprised at the results. You might be surprised. You might actually know deep down. I think a lot of people actually know deep down what they're they actually good at. Yeah. They have an idea and ask your parents as well. It's not just your friends because mm-hmm. your parents probably know you even better than your friends. Yes. They've been seeing the yeah. stuff from when you were a child. Yes. And you didn't even realize. Yes. My parents saw in me that I was, I was cool with a camera. Yeah. A matter of fact, I might not even have been amazing with the camera when I first picked yeah. it up. Mm-hmm. But because they kept saying it to me, they kept saying, oh, you're so good at taking pictures, all this and all that. I had it in my mind that I was good with the camera. So I always had a camera on me. And by virtue of the fact that I always had a camera on me, I was always taking pictures. Mm-hmm. And because I was always taking pictures, I was getting my reps in, mm-hmm. which meant that I was strengthening that muscle, aka photography, which went into videography. And hey, that's the reason that we got these two cameras here right now. It's funny yeah. how everything works together for us. Well. Yeah, like, I mean, everything there's very few people in this world that I think truly value themselves as highly as they should do. Mm. So they get sorry? There's very, very few people in this world that truly value themselves as high as they probably should do, mm. uh, especially in our generation. Mm. I think there's a massive there's a massive gap. Like, I mean, obviously we see the stats about mental health problems. And mm-hmm. I think especially with men as well, like mm. it's, it can be very hard to like, be honest with yourself about what you are good at and what you're not good at. And mm. you, know, you say, speak to your friends and that's great. And there will be a couple that will mm-hmm. be straight with you, but a lot of them won't. They'll be like, oh, I just love, you know, how you're funny, man, or something like that. And it, they don't, mm. they mean it, but they don't mean it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like a half-assed attempt. You know, I mean, find the people who will be straight with you mm-hmm. and will give you that insight in a really loving, supportive way. You know, people you would legitimately call your brothers rather mm-hmm. than just, you know, your mates. And find out, yeah, exactly what you're good at. But the other thing is, like, I think a lot of people rely on too much external sources. Validation mm-hmm. for people. And validation for sure, but also the answers that they're looking for in the first place, which they could probably work out themselves. Yeah. Even things like, you know, how many reps should I do when I'm at the gym? All right, well, listen to your body. What mm-hmm. should I eat? Listen to your body. Mm-hmm. What are you good at? What are you not good at? Find where you start naturally excelling. Find areas where you find you, you're a little bit nervous. Just start listening to your feelings. And all right, it can be a long journey, and I'm not great at the feeling side of it all in terms of what I want to do and all the rest of it. I'm fairly good at knowing my general like strengths and weaknesses. But you've got to actually stop and think yourself in not necessarily a dark room, but like on your own, with a bit of peace and quiet and just think about where you want to go and what you're good at and what you like doing and why you value the people around you because mm. you're probably hanging out with people you don't even know why you're hanging out with. <laughs> like you, ju- it just, you just get on well cool but why it's, no, but what it's do real. you have in common mm-hmm. and uh, there will always be something you have in common and something yeah. that you desire in the people you're closest with yeah true you know f- and this th- when it comes to marriage like this is even more true we'll you, will, you will have some stuff in common yeah. but more often than not in nature, opposites attract. They are probably mm-hmm. the polar opposite of who you are. Everything that you don't have, you probably see in them, and that's probably why you love them, and Oof. vice versa. Well, And when you actually start analyzing this and look into it, and, and it, it's a little bit more difficult in modern days and age with the way marriage is, but if you, especially if you went back like a couple of hundred years, or if you find specific examples of people who have been together for a long time, you'll probably find, and you ask them about it, because you become more like the other person, so your natural traits will, will, will settle down but if you ask them what they were like when they got together like 20 30 40 years ago and you start getting some stories there you'll probably find that they're two different ends of the of the spectrum are on similar things one might be risk adverse one might not be or maybe the like risk your mom and dad for example yeah, yeah, yeah. or maybe maybe there's that actually is the thing they have in common like it, it depends but look at the natural traits that, that you that they have and in your own friendship groups, it can be helpful as well to see that. You know, why do you spend time with people? And I remember early on in 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 um, in my in my property journey, and I was kind of asking some of these questions. It wasn't 
quite as literal as this. I was like, okay, what am I good at? Let's go ask someone. I was just generally having a conversation. I said mm. to him, I was like, why do you hang out with me? Damn. Why do you actually hang out with me? And not from like an insecure place. Just like, I really wanted to know what you thought and what you think place. about me. You know, like, I want to know, help me out a little bit here. Mm. And and when you do that and you give someone the floor to speak, mm. they will do that. And you just got to obviously make sure, as with all friendships, right, that you, when you're giving that floor for someone to speak into your life, they are the right person to speak into yes. your life. And um, environment again. if you have yes. a face, then obviously that is one major sector where you're going to get a huge amount of answers mm -hmm. yeah. that are deeply pure and 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 very very well rooted within you and probably uh to some extent uh not necessarily even relevant now you might find they're relevant in 10 years time or yeah. something you grow into um but yeah and, and regardless of what faith you've got i think faith generally is a good thing but mm -hmm. yeah look for answers and, and find out what it is but avoid just googling it yeah youtubing it if it's a practical yeah. technical thing sure it's about you speaking yeah, to people you yeah, know. Yeah. You know, definitely take a longer look in the mirror and have a bit of a think. And something you said as well that I want to touch on briefly. We never actually spoke about it before. Mm. But you said that a lot of people don't actually take that time to themselves. Mm. They don't actually spend the time with themselves. Yeah, and that's yeah. something that I've realised. And it's something I've realised because I always... I'm consuming something. Yeah. I remember you spoke yeah, about yeah, how you know, you're reading or you're exercising. Exactly. Like and I'm doing something cool, yeah. productive. There's always, like, yeah, there's yeah, always yeah. a purpose behind something, but there is always something going on. And even when you said, like I wanted to touch on this earlier as well, actually, you said um, at one point, everything you was consuming was property. You were doing the courses, mm -hmm. you were, you mm -hmm. were listening to the podcast, you're reading the books, you were going mm -hmm. to these places, da, 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 da. And because of that, we could even touch on the fact that you become what you consume, right? You turn into mm -hmm. what you tune yeah, into. Yeah, yeah, you are it's you exactly eat. what you are, what you eat, you are, what you, and literally that was your mental diet, right? Mm -hmm. So you became what you ate. Yeah. Um, but even back to what I was saying before, not everyone is quiet. Like people don't actually quiet themselves and in that dark room as you kind of skips over but still like no one actually goes into that dark room with themselves mm -hmm. sits down and and has quiet mm -hmm. no one has mental quiet i don't experience that mental quiet there's always something going on there's a an advertisement across the road bow 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 red yellow mcdonald's woo, buy fries mm -hmm. there's this um siren going on please siren over here yeah. mom screaming telling you yeah. to go empty the dishwasher that's telling you to go take out the bins there was you walk always down something... the street in london at 3am you'll still see people do you see what it i'm is saying a buzz in place and humans are built to do stuff I, I, constantly that's, that's a different thing but humans are built to work and if, mm -hmm. if you don't like getting up and working you don't like putting the hours in you feel lazy or whatever like or, or just generally you don't feel like you want to work that hard like let me just tell you something humans were built to work they weren't mm -hmm. built to do nothing mm -hmm. you'll find mm -hmm. yourself die very quickly if you just do nothing yeah mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah the thinking for yourself is important you know for me i, I use the shower the what sorry my yeah. sh when i'm showering that yeah. is my my mental free space time that's where i get good ideas yeah yeah that is where yeah. i get good you've ideas quiet, you've got no yeah. phone on you you're not yeah. you're like you've got nothing there it's just you and for me, I love the you know the relaxing sensation of the water over your head, and you can just kind of think a bit, and you come up with ideas. Um, travel can be great as well, especially if you're driving Solo on your travel. own. Just straight up travel. I, I used to do so many hours in the on the motorway, going out and doing viewings and driving, and you know I had a lot of time to myself. And yeah, audio books and music for sure. But sometimes I just turn it off. I thought about you and just spend about, 15, 20 minutes just, you know, just in my own thoughts. Yeah. And yeah. it's funny because men and women have completely different brains, right? Men have got like boxes. Imagine like a big like shelf with loads and loads of boxes and each box is for a different thing. Like there's your family box, there's your football box, you know. Hmm. And when you want to talk about the subject, you go and get the box and you never like start messing around with the boxes. But men have something which was a lot of people called the nothing box. And you've probably seen this online, like little memes or whatever. Men can literally just sit there 
think about nothing and do nothing, just like a monk. Like a low power state, mm. some people will say. I could do that. Like a standby mode. Yeah, yeah, I could do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just do it like this. Right, and women can't do that, right? And you often say, like, in, in marriage, like, there'll be a man just, like, doing nothing. And woman's like, what are you thinking about? And, and he's like, nothing. And, like, she, mm. she just won't accept it. Does that, does that happen we, to you ever? No, because she knows this. But, like, women cannot do that. Big up Mel. Physically. Big up Mel, yeah, man. Yeah, big up Mel for sure. <laughs> um, one of the, Definitely one of the reasons I'm here today. Come on, wow, um, that's amazing. Big up wifey, man. For sure. Um, but yeah, like women can't do that. But men, we can. But we also have another box, which is like a me box, mm. like a, a you box, you know, what, which is all about you, where you're truly honest with yourself. And the key thing is when you're in that state where you're giving yourself a little bit of mental space, you have to be honest with yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not based on what you've read or what you think you should be. That's even mm. worse. And, you know, comparison is the thief of all joy. Mm -hmm. And when you start relying on that to define on who you are, you are going to struggle. You need to be truly honest with yourself about what you're good at and what you're not good at. And those people who usually suffer with things like anxiety are not very good at looking at when they are good at something. They're yeah. not very good at identifying their strengths, but yeah. they're very quick at identifying their weaknesses. Yeah. You know, and all it takes is for a few people just to speak some words of wisdom and some some healthy you know, guidance into that or a little light bulb to go off or, you know, someone to move in their life and they get that and then they can kind of hopefully build their way out of it. But obviously the same happens in reverse, right? But you've got to be honest with yourself and see both sides of it mm -hmm. and just take like a really neutral view. The same mm -hmm. way if you were going to do an investment and everyone says, you know, business is not about emotion. You just got to look at it. It is what it is. You got to kind of look at yourself in the same way during that moment and not judge yourself as to how good or bad you might be at any given thing. You just got to be honest and open and accept you are who you are and that, yeah, you're wonderfully gifted. And ultimately, we're all unique. We are all the minority. Mm -hmm. There is no one else truly like you anyway. So mm -hmm. there is always something that you can offer that somebody else can't. An individual thing, maybe not. But as a collection of everything together, no one else has the same setup of a uh, balance of traits that you do. You know, so just, just be honest with yourself about what you're really good at. And that comes from just taking a little bit of time and just having that, as you, what do you call it, the mental quietness. Yeah. Mm. No, I think it's really, really important. And you can find it wherever you want. And it doesn't have to be hours. And it is productive. It is still productive time. So don't feel guilty if you're like, you know, I'm going to spend 10, 15 minutes here, you know, just, just doing something else. And um, more often than not, you'll find it ends up leading to prayer anyway. Mm. But um, you, that, that kind of that space there is super powerful and you're right you get most of your best ideas then your brain is free to think mm -hmm. and it's free to just you know kind of go where it needs to go and and yeah it's a beautiful beautiful time you'll feel refreshed as well you'll feel less stressed there's loads and loads of benefits of it but don't just be flat out the whole time you know take a little mm -hmm. break you know and not i don't mean like break from work oh i need to take downtime now i just mean like get yourself 10 minutes of mental space mm -hmm. your brain is still super active when you're sleeping yeah you know, your body gets to rest when it sleeps, in my opinion. But yeah, the 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 the, the, the waking side—you still got to find some mental space from all of that, and allow yourself not to cling on to your day to day and what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Just just schedule. Yeah. 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 And I'd say off the back of that, just like an actionable step for you mm. is to literally, I don't even know, find a brick wall, the I don't know, the ceiling. Just look somewhere, just yeah. something plain. Just look at it. 
for even like five to ten minutes. Just look at it, see what happens. And close your eyes. And close you your eyes. Do, see like... what happens. Even dark room, as we said before, see what happens. See what you think about. Get a notepad, matter yeah, of fact. I like that one. And anything that comes to your mind, maybe write it down. You may you might discover things about yourself that you weren't even thinking initially. Yeah. You didn't even think was on your like, on your mind, but you can write it down and you actually see the stuff on a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. And you'll feel like it's a release as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you take all this stuff that's off your mind, all these little boxes and stuff, and maybe there might be things outside of the boxes that need to be put back in the boxes or you might have to examine. Yeah, you get yeah. to take those and you get to write it down on paper. Yeah. And it might be six months before, like you might ask yourself a question about like, oh, okay, I want to, why do I feel this way about this thing, for example? And you might not know the answer to that. And that's cool. And you might know the answer the next time you look at it. But you know, every time you go into that into that space with, with just openness and, and, and relax, like a relaxed state with no judgment, and it might be six months and you haven't even thought about it and then suddenly you just get an answer. Mm. You know, so just be patient with it and, and, and let it, do what it's got to do it's it's not some weird and wonderful thing but i think it's just important if you're trying to find who you are mm-hmm. understand what you're good at just take a real time for you then you know stop trying to find the answer on instagram or with your mates or mm-hmm. like you're not going to find the answers there yeah. mm-hmm. the answer is probably within you so take some time to listen to yourself and 10 minutes in a 24-hour day yeah what is like, that that's nothing nothing that's nothing that's nothing you can waste that with a couple of scrolls on instagram easy the thing is that the world today is always copying for our time so is it all sorry? The world, to, the world today is always competing for our time. Yes, we have to be very intentional mm-hmm. with just saying, "No, mm-hmm. it's me time now." One thing I like to do, John knows about this too. Like, for, or one day in a week, usually Thursdays, mm-hmm. just me, just chilling, just chilling in my chilling in my study, just there, just free, because Monday to Monday to Sundays, all just doing stuff, mm-hmm. doing purpose led, doing my coaching stuff, working, gymming. Yeah. There's no time for you. And the world, the world can get very, very busy, but it's up to you, up to you to be intentional to have that downtime, whether that be at 10 minutes on a day-to-day basis, or maybe just one day, just allot it to just hours of just you and just no one can get, 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 no one can get through to you. Yeah. Those things are important for, to, to make sure that you stay mentally in the right place, man, because it's difficult, man. It's really difficult. But those moments, they're just for you and you can really help you understand who you are and it helps you have that bit of peace on a day-to-day basis, man. It's, it's helped me. So that's one big tip I would say there. But one thing I want to touch on, actually, you spoke about patience mm. just a minute ago. And I know you at the start of the episode now, you are talking about how in the way, in the area you're in, in property, which is developing, yeah. patience is, a, is, is, an, is an important thing. As we know, yeah. patience is a virtue. Mm. I really like that point there because when people think about property, they just think about, yeah, five months in, yeah, make all yeah. these millions, and then you'll you'll be happy, happy, happy days, right? But my question to you, right, is how did you nurture the spirit of patience in a field where money is such a money is such is such that is such a clear end goal in a short short space of time? How do you nurture that? <laughs> it's a work in progress, so I don't have all the answers. Mm. Um, I already said it, you know, comparison is a thief of all joy. The, yeah. the first thing you've got to make sure is you're not looking at other people and seeing where their progress is and wondering why you're not there. Mm. Um, it's useful to see what other people are doing and it's, mm-hmm. understand, it's good to understand your marketplace, but it's not, you should never be like, oh, well, they're there, why am I not there? Because mm-hmm. oh, that's never going to help you, both from a patient's point of view, but just generally it's not going to help yeah. So that's that side of it. The other one is your expectations. You know, manage your own expectations as well as managing the expectations of everybody else you're with. You know, when is things, when are you actually expecting things to get done? What do you expect it to look like when it's done? Your expectations will determine your satisfaction when you get to that point. Mm. So you need to set those in a way that is healthy, that that allows you to grow, that allows you to, to enjoy the moment when you get there. Um, 
so yeah, like expectations. If you think a deal's gonna take two years, best case, assume it's gonna take three. Yeah. You've already like made your your job thirty three percent easier hmm. uh, from a patient's point of view. Um, so because if you're prepared to wait three years, it only takes two happy days. Mm -hmm. So I think your expectation is very important. The other side of it, uh, for me at least, and I, I have no idea how healthy this is, um, I keep myself busy. Mm. I don't allow myself to think about it. You know, if something's two years away, that's a problem for two years. I don't need to deal with it right now. If there's something I need to deal with, then I'll do it. But ultimately, that that thing that is down the line, if I keep myself busy in the present and I always remain present in what it is I'm doing, then I don't need to worry about everything else. Because as I said already, you know, men have got boxes. You know, I'm in that box right now um, on this podcast. I'm not thinking about my dev sites or whatever else is going on in my mm. life. I couldn't even answer the question. Like, I'm not in that space. In mm. the same way, if I'm on the phone with an investor doing this particular deal mm. that's, you know, happening over the next few weeks or months. I'm not thinking about something that's happening in two years' time. I don't mm. need to. So you can give yourself that breathing, that freedom, uh, you know, that space in your brain if you keep your focus where it needs to be and if you keep yourself busy. Like I say, you can't do that 24 hours a day, all yeah. day, every day. There will be times where your mind might, might wander. Mm. But I think the present thing is really important because um, it transfers into your personal life too. Yeah. You know, are you present with the people you're with? And people say it all the time, you know, like, oh, you look across at a restaurant, you see how many people are sat on their phones while they're having a conversation. You know, how nuts. present, it's nuts, man. Mm. How present are you? Because that, that, that time is valuable. And yeah, there's no shortage of TV shows or films that kind of teach this lesson that when people get to their old age, they're not interested in what they saw on Instagram 20 years ago. They're interested in the times that they didn't have with the people that they love. Mm. And yeah, being present generally will help you with that because if you're truly present, you're not actually thinking about everything else that's going on. Mm -hmm. It can be hard if you're stressed or you have problems to solve, 100%. Because your mind is constantly going. Like, yeah, and if yeah. you do have a problem to solve, like you should, in theory, be wanting to solve it Yeah. rather than doing whatever else you're doing. Mm -hmm. But then you obviously you come back to your, your priority list, right? And what is important to you at any given time and generally speaking. So yeah, I don't know the true answer to how you nurture patients. I think for me, it's a lot of practical steps along with almost forcing myself to get there in the sense that, you know, let's say you go out and do some squats, right? You you do some minor damage to your quads so that they can grow back bigger. Mm -hmm. In the same way, um, I'm sitting through something uncomfortable in the patient's side and where possible, I won't allow something to move faster if if this is what I'm looking for. If I'm looking to really grow my patience, there are times when I won't make something move quicker because I want to force myself to wait it out, mm. to see it through and to build some of that patience. Um, but yeah, it's a mix of all of that and, and it's a work in progress. And mm -hmm. the question is like, what's the chapter of the book like right now? I mean, I, I have no idea when the chapter ends even yeah. to be able to kind of fully answer it. But it is it is a virtue and I think it's something that you will master over many, many years mm -hmm. um, and something you get better at. And no doubt when I have kids, there'll be a whole new revelation. Come on. Patience. Yeah. yeah. Um, James Genius. No, no, no time soon. But uh, <laughs> yeah, like on that front, to the, I think life generally will help you on that front and yeah. your, your focus and perspective will change. But manage your expectations and be present. Yeah. I, and I, that's what's helped most for me. In terms of being present, how do you remain present with your wife? Mm. And how do you switch off? Because for me, yeah, obviously I ain't got a wife, whatever. But then it's hard for me to switch off regardless. Mm -hmm. Like I'm always thinking about something because as like, mm -hmm. I think, well, who was it that said it? Someone said like, when you're an entrepreneur, you work from when you wake up to when you go to sleep. Good reason. Because it's always on your, obviously at, depending on the stage that you're at, but at the start, it's a lot of the time like that. Oh, when you're starting out, yeah. And, and I would go be. as far as saying that even if I was married now and I was starting out now, I'd have a very serious conversation with my wife about how it's going to be. Mm. Practically managing expectations. Expectations. Um, but I'd be like, look, 
I'm going to have to spend 16 hours a day, every day for the next eight weeks, maybe next eight months. Wow. You know, and that's what it's going to look like. Mm -hmm. However, and then you have a chat with them because obviously there are probably a few things they're going to come back with, right? Mm -hmm. um, we'll start listening to them. And at that point, it's between you two as to how you're going to make that work. Mm. Now, these days, I don't have to do the 5 a.m. starts the way I used to. I mm -hmm. don't have to do the 18-hour days. There will be a few days here and there for sure where I'll pull 16, 18 hours, whatever it has to be. But other days could be a little bit short and I've only got to do six or seven hours. Mm. Um, that also comes down to the speed in which you work and how much you can get done and your efficiency. But yeah, so for me, it's it's literally a case of being present. You know, every time she comes to the door when she gets back from work, um, if I'm on the phone, I'll mute and say hello or whatever. Um, if not, you know, I'll come in, I'll greet her, welcome her through, you know, That's say nice. hello. Threshold moment, as she would call it. But like, you know, it's... it's we say threshold moment. Threshold moment, That's yeah. right. Like, when they get home from work, saying how they're doing, you first get up in the morning, are you saying hello to them before you're going on Instagram, stuff like that? Mm. Important it, stuff. It, 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 Little things, but... Yeah, for a man, it won't mean yeah. as much. Yeah. On average, yeah. generally speaking. Um, for a lot of women, that means the world. Because it, it gives an insight to where your focus really lies. Mm. And they just want to know that you are... A central core part of their of their life, and, and in theory, they are. Yeah, yeah. So like that, that's kind of where that bit comes. <laughs> down in to. theory, in real life, like, <laughs> in, yeah. in real life too, yeah. I would say. But there's there's a lot of le less less exemplar marriages, should we say? Like there's oh, yeah. a lot, there's a lot of bad cases for it. So I think mm -hmm. it's important, you know, that you just do that. Um, we whilst there's no rule that we can't use our phone, like if we're going out for a meal or whatever, like it just it inherently has always been low. Um, and we've always kind of had a rule since like day one. It's yeah. like, you know, we're, we're present. And because it was long distance to begin with, I didn't have the three, four, five times a week for an hour or two at a time. Mm. For us, it was like two weeks and yeah. we wouldn't see each other. And then it'd be like three days. Okay. So naturally, like you, you had this moment where you're going to want to see them anyway. Yeah, of course. And you want to be present with them and then Reconnect. you go and spend time with them. Um, mm. For me, you know, it'll get past a certain point. I'll have done what I wanted to get done for that day. Uh, and something could come up fine in the evening. It comes up, I get it done. Um, alternatively, like if you don't ring me, then one of you after can't be that important. If you message me, you really can't be that bothered about it. You'll get it when you get it, or probably based on the fact that I respond if it's during the day within an hour, nearly always. If it's in the evenings or whatever, then it might be that evening, it could be the following morning. But if you really want me, you'll ring me and I'll just look at the number and decide whether or not I'm going to answer in an evening, depending on what I'm doing and, and you know what's going on. Mm. Um, and yeah, during certain periods, like I obviously had the honeymoon not long ago. I was still on the phone. Congratulations. Thanks, man. Wait, how, how long ago was that? June. June? Oh, wow. Wow, June. Okay, okay, recent, yeah. Yeah, yeah, super recent. Yeah, super what did you do for the honeymoon? Went to Hawaii. Ooh. Yeah, man. Ooh. Hawaii. That's so good. Mm. So good. And for me, it was great. Like, because it's, it's properly in the tropics, but yeah. because it's literally in the middle of nowhere, it's only like 28, 30 degrees, but it's like 10 out of 10 on the UV side of it, so you still get a tan super fast. Mm. It's still warm. Yeah. But it's not like, super hot you know, not like going to the Middle East where it's like 45 degrees yeah, 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 crazy, yeah. That's, man. that's horrible like, it's still breathable and you're on the coast the air's fresh mm. um, yeah we went to Hawaii and I did some work while I was out there you know oh wow really oh yeah man um, on on site work or like no 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 just... as in I was out no, there but I don't know if you yeah, but I'm saying like, was there developments out there? <laughs> but like, I don't know what I don't know oh, what the I mean, vibe I did, is. I did browse an estate agency while I was out there. I okay. had to, you know, just just always you know, on, like always. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm yeah. Curious. And the, the the houses are different. The way they live is different. And I just generally found it quite interesting. That was kind of insight into the culture as well. Okay. But when I was there, no, like um, I'd be on the phones speaking to investors, like trying to sell a few deals, funding some projects. We're at completion one of our dev projects in Edinburgh. So you were paying, you were paying for the trip. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. And a bit and a, and a bit more. And a bit more. Did I say that's a profit? Yeah. The time zone worked out really nicely for me because it meant for me to actually be speaking to people during a reasonable hour here, it was like early in the morning, five to seven AM or mm. like late at night for me, ten, eleven, twelve o'clock at night when she's probably asleep. So but that's still the odd bit during the middle of the day and I'm just like, look, I need to work for an hour and she's like, she fully respects it because she mm. understands where I want to be, she understands the dream and I mean, practically, it's obviously in her interest too, right? Yeah. Within yeah. reason, the more successful I am, the more successful she is. Yeah. So, like, yeah, it's, it's also helpful for her. And it, it gives us more options generally as a family and ultimately, you know, as... A collective. You know, husband and wife, you should support each other through everything. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, kind of un, 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 underpins a lot of it. Um, is she into property also? To an extent, she doesn't kind of find it riveting the same way I do. And mm. She kind of vaguely understands what I say vaguely. She understands what's going on. Mm. Um, she understands what the strategies are. I could talk to her about stuff. She might not know some of the intricacies or specifically, oh. you know, she wouldn't, she doesn't have any experience raising finance or anything like that. But she's found a few deals in the past and oh, you know, oh, she's okay. got some wow. money in one of the dev projects that we've got going on. Oh, wow. Um, and by day, she's a QS. So she's familiar with the construction industry on a much larger scale than I am. Oh, quantity severe? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so right. they basically, tell developers how much it's going to cost to build a specific building right wow and a few additional pieces that go with that but she's working for a pretty major developer down here in london okay on some like billion pound sites like, that's dope serious big yeah that's it's pretty, pretty cool it's inspired pretty cool. by her yeah less so in the career sense because i mean she, she enjoys what she does to a point but her as a person mm. and like especially her emotional intelligence her insight into other people um just her welcomingness like Oh yeah, I adore it. It's it's wow. It's it's so powerful to see in action. You know, there are some people who just can't have a conversation with a stranger, and then there are some people that you can't not have a conversation with. Mm. And Mel is one of those people. You know, she'll walk into the room, she'll smile, and just lights up the room, and she can have a conversation with anybody. And wow. everyone always loves her. I haven't met anybody who doesn't like her. Mm. Wow. You know, like she's one of those people. Um, talk about opposites. I met plenty of people who don't like me. <laughs> so uh, you know, like she, she's so wonderful and soft and, and, and caring. You know, um, and yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I do. I do admire her. Amazing stuff, man. And then, okay, so we asked the same thing to Eman actually as well. Mm. When, you know, Eman Effect, the guy that was um, hosting, yeah. yeah. And we asked him as well, like, what made what made her stand out? Because yeah. there's so many women is he married in this world. Too? Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, and, and kids, right? Yeah, he's got. Yeah, kids, yeah. How old is he? 36? I don't want to say anything wrong, bro. No, he's, he's, I think he's 37. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, for some reason, I just assumed he was one of the Gen Z guys. <laughs> he's a young man. He's a young man in my books. <laughs> wow. He's a, he's, like, he's a cool guy though. Yeah. Well, so what made you? Because there's a lot of women out here. Yeah. Matter of fact, we're outnumbered on this planet. Yeah. What made you pick Mel? Yeah, that's that's just the wars for you recently. Um, some countries have it worse than others. Um, I saw kind of everything really. I guess it, it, you don't you don't go looking for a partner or a wife or whatever. Just like I'm not gonna go out and look for one and pick one off the shelf. Like it doesn't work that. Way. <laughs> and you, you to an extent, there'll be things you want to look for. That's more just things that you know that generally speaking you're gonna hit off on. Or mm -hmm. uh, and some of those will be really important. Some of them will be things you'd like to have. Right. So yeah. that, I wouldn't say there's a checklist per se, but everybody has to looks for something. You know what you want within reason. You you might not want someone who's 50 years older than you, for example. There's some very clear things that you could be like, yeah, okay, I want that or the other. Um, I have. I was not looking for a relationship at the time. Mm. Um, neither was Mel. But how old were you when you guys met then? 20. Wow. So this is what? So to put it back into the timeline, right? This is like- January years, 18. Is it two years into, this is one year into your whole- It was journey. like two weeks after my first property course. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. But as you were saying, sorry. Yeah, I was at a dedication. So it's a bit like a christening. And 
I was there supporting some family members there completely by accident. And she walked through the front door and genuinely I was like, she's fine. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, like she just came over and we started having a chat and I was there with my dad or whatever and we were just having a conversation and then kind of it transpired that we were all going for food afterwards and I was hoping to like sit next to her, track up a conversation, get, mm. you know, the standard stuff. It doesn't start any different. Mm. Yeah. Um, and knowing her family now in classic fashion, turns up like 45 minutes late. Mm. I've basically finished my main at this point. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's quite funny. And then she sits down at a different table. So there's like one long table for all of us. And I guess because numbers, whatever, she was sat on a different one with all the girls. There was like five of them. Mm. Wow. You know, and um, just like sat there nattering. I could hear them laughing at the thing. And I was obviously speaking to people I was. And uh, we got up to leave right at the end. And I thought, oh, man, I've got to say hello, right? Mm. It's now or never. And this is before I had my rule about fit. But I was still like, mm, sure not, sure not, you know. And I thought, yeah, let's just go over and say hello and, mm. and basically ask for her details mm. in front of like all the girls. It was proper nerve wracking. I remember mm. it now. And um, funny story, and she'll hate me for telling this. She um, she said yes, and, and I'm, I hope it was for the right reasons. But I, afterwards, I found out that um, when she was speaking with me, mm. she thought I was some like long lost member of the family because her older sister's um, husband is is white, so oh, he right. he just assumed that. She just assumed that I was one of his cousins or something. Okay. But who's, so she, wait, so who's white in the family? Her long lost... Long lost... No, no, her, her older sister's husband. Okay. So her, bro, older, her older brother-in-law. Her older sister's... Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they had kids and it was that was why I was at the dedication. Um, and obviously she was there supporting yeah. her sister, who's the mum. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. So she just thought that I was some like... He's fabulous, I think. Yeah, that she yeah. didn't know. So she didn't want to like be disrespectful or anything. And you know how it is in African culture. Yeah. Like, you got to know everybody. you got to speak to everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she was kind of speaking to me because of that. Mm. Um, and then she asked the sister, she's like, you know, who, who's this James guy? Like, is he a cousin? Like, what's this? And he was like, no, no, just like effectively a random bloke. Like, you know, <laughs> who, who, who is this guy? And she was like... Oh, and then mm. she, I think at that point, she got a new perspective of like why I was messaging her. Mm. Ah. Um, I nearly screwed it up and stuff. And, you know, it was, it was the classic. And then, yeah. And then we kind of hung out a few times over the next few months and grew closer. And, and um, then in April, you know, formally asked her out. And then, Four months afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Efficient. Uh, yeah. Efficient. Like you are, you're efficient bad. Efficient Maybe. man. Yeah. And then, yeah, four years later. Um, the short wait. Yeah, but uh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. I like that. That's, that's very amazing. Three year, three and a bit years. Just over three years later. Yeah. Mm, I like that. And here you are, just after a way. There you go. There you go. That's crazy. Question, yeah. right? Obviously, away from the relationship stuff, right? If someone said to you right now, yeah, James, because you're doing developing stuff, you've mm. done crazy stuff. If someone said to you, James, I'm starting from scratch right now, yeah. How do I start this journey of property, especially in the area you're in? What do you suggest to them? What will be your tips? Sure. Uh, step one, find out what you like doing and what you love, right? Um, okay. There are different aspects of real estate and, mm. and specifically within development. Development is a massive, massive industry. I can't kind of over-exaggerate just how big it is, you know. Mm. It includes things like infrastructure, building motorways or hotels. All right. Like resorts, building islands, like new land that you'll see in like Macau or, or Dubai or whatever. Um, so See, building islands like yeah so in Macau for example the, that's the only place in China where you're legally allowed to gamble and the, the the amount of space they have within the border of that little province is, is limited and they ran out of space they wanted to build some more casinos and things so they literally dug up dirt plonked it in the sea and made the land bigger so they could build more houses 
that's still development. That's part of development. So it's a huge aspect of it. Damn. Like there's a lot that you can do in all sorts of areas. Yeah. So find out what it is that you like and what you love. Mm -hmm. um, for me, it's residential. That's kind of where I get my kicks. Okay. Um, Why is that? I understand it. And there's a lot of crap houses. Mm. I'd love to be someone who like kind of helps and, and, and brings more houses to it. And there's a massive housing sort of shortage, especially in this country. Mm -hmm. Huge housing shortage. People always moan about the fact they can't buy a home, or can't find a home, there's nowhere to rent, nowhere to live. Like, yes, yeah, because there's not enough people idea. building. Mm. You know, and 20 years ago, it was around about 52% of new build houses were built by your top 10 developers. These days, it's 92%. Wow. So your Persimmons, your Taylor Wimpies, et cetera, they're putting up 10,000 houses a year. Like, don't get angry at them. Because if they stop, there ain't anyone else to come and fill that gap. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, was it when Tories came to power that we're going to build 500,000 homes a year? And everyone loved that. Um, we haven't quite got close enough, but still, you know, there's the, a big need for housing. So I think that was kind of it. That and I naturally fell into it because before you get into development, you've got to have some grounding of how it actually works. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. a flip is the perfect way to start if you actually want to end up in development because you buy an asset cheap you do some work to it and then you sell it for a profit. Mm. Um, in this case, like a two-bed house, you buy for 50K, you spend 25 grand 50K? on it. 50K? where are these you buy, you buy a two-bed house for 500 grand. Oh, that's not that. You yeah. spend 100 grand on it and you sell yeah. it for 700K, right? Okay, okay. Mm. So you make 100 grand profit. Yeah. Well, in the development space, you might buy a land for 500 grand. You mm. might spend 10 million building on it. And then you sell it for like 15 million. And you, it, so it's the same thing, just on a bigger scale. Bigger scale right. doing a little refurb, you're like physically building whole houses mm -hmm. um, or converting old buildings or whatever it might be. Yeah. So starting on the low end is really, really useful because how you value an individual house is the same way you value 10 houses. You just do it 10 times. Yeah. Um, you know, working out, calculating refurb costs is kind of the same thing. You work out how much it costs to plaster the room, how much it's going to be for a new boiler, how much it's going to be to rewire the place or paint it or floor it or whatever. And you do the same thing on development. It's just now you've got to include things like groundworks and foundations and drainage and extra bits that you've got to put on. So it's the same process. It's the same rules and the, the financing is very similar as well. Mm -hmm. It's also much easier to do because you need a lot less money. So the barrier to entry is significantly lower. But if you're looking to get started in property, I think there's probably, yeah, find out what it is you want to do. And residential is probably going to be the way that most people go is most accessed for training and things as well. Mm -hmm. Second thing is I would say get trained uh, one way or another, whether that's a personal mentor, finding yourself some training courses or just freewheeling it with books and podcasts and asking people for help and understanding that you're probably going to fail your way to success. That's okay. All right, that's how the original people did it before they put courses together. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of it is relatively straightforward if you think about it and you start ringing up and asking people the questions. And as soon as you learn which person you need to ring to answer the question, life becomes a lot easier. Mm. You want to know how much a house is going to sell for? Where would you go? Are you asking me? I'm asking either of you. If I want to know how much a house is going to sell for, yeah. where would I go? If you're just a normal person, what would you do? I would go, go and look station. on... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, would look on, right. I would look online and I would just yeah. type it up. So you can use online tools and they're great and that'll yeah. make your life easier when you get into it. But step one, just ring an estate agent. You want to know how much your house will rent for? Ring an estate agent. So if you're looking at a house you want to buy and you want to know how much it's going to rent for, ring a few letting agents who are local, mm. find out what it rent for. You now know what the rent is in that area for that kind of house. Mm. So some of it you don't need to be taught within reason. If you kind of think a little bit about it, you should be able to piece it together. Um, the common strategies people are going to want to look at are things like rent to rents and deal source and all that. That's great. And I'm not putting anybody off that. If you're already doing it, crack on. All the strategies make money. One is not better than the other. Mm. However, if I was starting again, yeah. mm. I'd just do joint ventures. JVs all day long. When you first think about investing in property, what you think about is owning a house, having tenants, getting that passive income, being mm -hmm. a landlord. Yeah. Don't forget that. Because I overlooked it for two years when I was deal sourcing and I was living a good life and I was making good money. And I thought, you said again, days. sorry, I didn't hear what you said. What did you say? I forgot 
that kind of picture that that it was the first thing that really kind of got me into property was that passive income side. Okay. Deal sourcing is not passive. Mm-hmm. Rent to rents are passive for about three years and they may not even be passive yourself managing. After that, that's gone. Mm-hmm. You want something that lasts lifetimes, generations, mm-hmm. that does not fail. That's what passive income is for. That's when you can do what you want when you want. You get that from rents. So you need to accumulate houses. And the easiest way of doing that is borrow money from someone for like 10 years at like 10%, find a deal, that you can buy with that 10%, or sorry, with that that, that money you've borrowed, mm-hmm. that makes like 20%. So obviously if you're making 20, you're only paying out 10, there's a bit of profit left for you, right? Mm-hmm. There you go, that 10% is for you. And on a rental property, you can make them pass it pretty easily. I did a couple of videos on my YouTube about it for a more detailed version, but- Check out his YouTube. Thank you. Um, or like literally anybody else, like some people talk about passive income from rents. It's, it's, it's relatively straightforward. And most people become accidental landlords or if they get married and, and they're a little bit old and they've both already got a house and they keep one, they rent the other one out yeah. or whatever, or inheritance or whatever it might be. So yeah, do joint ventures like that. Or if you've got a little bit more to it, use the homes under the hammer, the flip style model, but instead of selling it at the back end, take a re- refinance it. So take a mortgage out at its new higher post refurb value mm-hmm. and if you do the right the, the deal correctly and you buy it at the right price in the first place and work all the numbers out the amount of money you get from the mortgage at the back end can be equal to or even more than the amount of money you spent buying it and refurbing in the first place wow we call that a buy refurb refinance so you keep 25 percent equity brr a brr okay bro. so you buy it for like i'm gonna use low numbers again buy yeah. it for 50 yeah you spend 20 grand on it mm-hmm. or 25 grand on it it's worth 100 the bank will give you a 75 percent mortgage they'll give you 75k well that pays back your 50 and it pays back your refurb mm. and if an investor pay for that in the first place so they pay for it they give you the 75k you do the deal you get the 75 grand back from the mortgage you give them that give them another couple of grand from your own savings or earnings or whatever and then you go, you got a house for free that you can keep yourself. I stick a tenant in forever. And that's wonderful. So that's a, there's a couple of ways that I would do it. But I would really got to recommend the joint venture route. And in essence, you need three things. You need a deal, mm-hmm. which you can buy from someone, from a deal sourcer. From a deal sourcer, right. If, okay. you, if you don't know how to do that um, or find yourself one. But it's, it's a good skill to have, no? It's a fantastic skill to have. And ultimately, imagine. even if you don't find your own deals, you still need to know what a good deal is. You still need to have to appraise a deal. So you need to know what houses are worth mm. and how to work that out. You need to know how to work out refurbs and stuff like that. And a lot of this, you know, you want to work out how refurbs work, same way you work out how rents work. Go speak to someone who knows about refurbs, yeah. i.e. a builder. Just get a load of bills, have a look at your houses and get a number of quotes back and then you get a price back. Mm. Bob's your uncle. Mm-hmm. Don't overcomplicate things. There are faster, swifter ways of doing it. As you get better, yeah, you'll be able to start rattling off prices yourself. But if you don't know what you're doing, don't overcomplicate it. Mm-hmm. Just have someone who does know how to do it, do it for you. Outsource. That's what mm-hmm. all the smart people do anyway, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second one is you're going to need the money. So you need a network, find someone with money. And to this day, I have never been wrong with this. Every single person who's listening to this right now or who sees this already has an investor in their phone book. They probably just don't know it. Could be a family friend, could be a, a relative, could be someone you went to school with. Mm. Ring every number in your phone have a chat with them, see if they've ever been interested in investing in property and find out if they have any cash. Wow. Someone will. And it doesn't have to be physical cash in the bank. It could be an ISA, it could be a pension, it could be a SAS, it could be equity in their own home. I could have cars are planning on selling you don't even know about. They might have an inheritance coming through you didn't know about. Like people have money and just don't tell you. We don't talk about money here in the UK. So you've got to physically ask people if they have it. And they're just waiting for something to do with it. Yeah. 
more often than not. Or they've got sat, they're sat making 2% or more likely 0.1% in the bank. Yeah. Yeah. Or they've got an ISA making 2 3%. Yeah. Inflation's at 99 You offer them 10. You're at least matching inflation. Yeah. And you can still do a deal of your own. Or if they don't want to do a deal with you and they don't want to take a fixed return, go harvest in the profit. Or sell the deal to them and take four grand and be four grand better off than you were before. Mm -hmm. Percentage of something's better than 100% of nothing. Yes, yes, indeed. And don't get over, don't get bogged down with your first joint venture on that front. If they want 99% profit margin and that 1% for you is still making you 20 grand, do it. Mm. Why not? So, and it's proof of concept as well. Proof of concept, yeah. Like, like that first deal that you got, it's proof yeah, of concept. Yeah, you work your way up. I mean, mm -hmm. the first deals we were offering out, we were offering super low sourcing fees and first JVs and stuff I was doing, yeah, giving away loads of money. Now, sure, I'm in a different position. I can, I can demand different things, but you still have to work with people and negotiate and mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of just, just gets a little bit easier within reason and you've done it before and you know what's going on and you have more experience and yeah, you've got past examples, but it's exactly the same thing. Just rinse and repeat. Mm. And the reason I say do it that way is in the long run, you'll probably make less mistakes, you'll lose less money and you have an easier life. Two, capital gains is what makes people rich. Cash flow, which is what you get from rent to rents and deal sourcing is lovely. And it can give you a wonderful life and it allow you to take those photos and put them on Instagram and hmm. make you look super successful. <laughs> but I'm telling you, capital gains is what makes people rich. Only thing I know about capital gains is capital gains tax. That's the only thing I know about capital gains. Right. Well, let's say you real world example. I yeah. bought a house for 65K. Okay. I was spending 38,000 pound on it. Mm -hmm. and I thought it was going to be worth about 130K. Cool. I bought this November 2020, I think, mm -hmm. give or take. Um, I didn't have the cash to refurb it. Doing some other bits. I thought, it's fine. Sit it for a couple of months. I'll do it then. Bought it cash. Or I'm not paying any like mortgage interest or anything like that. A few months go by. I start the refurb. I get to the end of the refurb. COVID had already happened at this point. What happened in 2023 till now in the house price market? It shot through the roof. Mm -hmm. I sold that house in August just gone for 170 grand. That's a nice I little bit I made 40 grand doing nothing. That's a nice little just, bit of just by, just by holding. Just by holding. Just by holding it. Just by holding 40 grand. Actually, that's something I wanted to touch on as well. Yeah, I want to touch on the COVID part. Because I know COVID, like that whole situation at like the 2020, 2021, that was a big period for you. Oh, it's crazy. For a couple of reasons. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So 2020 started off pretty insane. January, Feb, March, I could sell anything. It was it was nuts. Like um, Midas touch, everything you touch is gold. Yeah, I think we did something like 110 grand in three months. That's all right. 110 grand in three months. That's it okay. was nuts, mate. That was more than I made my 110 first 110 grand in three months. That's all right. It was crazy. It's cost, obviously. But yeah, like that that was that was ludicrous. Mm, wow. And then our emails go out every Tuesday or went out every Tuesday. Mm. 23rd of March, Monday, 7 p.m., lockdown. Email goes out Tuesday morning. Having just sold anything, like stuff just flying out. Through the email list. Through the email list, no responses. It was literally like someone turned off the tap. I was chatting on Clubhouse about this with a guy called TJ um, way back when Clubhouse. Um, TJ, uh, high top. TJ, uh, uh, a life or a leaf or whatever his name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah high top. Got yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool guy, man. Yeah, we spoke I rate to him. him. I rate him. Day. You might not remember. We yeah, he was great on Clubhouse. I loved his energy. Yeah, uh, so that's, yeah energy. Energy always talks. But yeah, mm -hmm. and it, him and I were talking about this, and it was just like it was like something was broken. I genuinely thought, has email gone out? Like, is it just not sent or something? Like, it just died that's because everyone was like what the hell do we do now yeah. Yeah. the entire world was like we don't know what's going to happen we mm. don't know what's going to work the whole world just stopped for two weeks flat and for the first time I had a little bit of mental space which was great and i could recoup and think about what i was going to do and that ultimately ended up me pivoting into development and moving out of sourcing 
but mm, it still oh, gave really? me that's kind of during that period is when i got it because i had loads more f- free time because i wasn't doing as many deals that was generally less busy oh, I see. and it was through through covid then that I, that I had that time to do it but it just went quiet it just went cold mm. um and i kind of had to regain everything and go through it all and it was funny so people pulling out of deals being like oh don't do it now because of covid don't do this because of covid don't do that because of covid the force major calls came back in full force during 2020 anyone's running a business will know what i'm on about and yeah like it just went mad and everyone was pulling out and i was like there's a lot of printing going on right now a lot of quantity using they're handing out helicopter money they're just giving money to anybody with a business just Mm -hmm. 50 grand Mm -hmm. have it no requirements no checks no affordability you could open a company today and get a 50 grand loan the following day mm. that you didn't have to pay back. And actually, you were going to pay it back anyway because the government were going to pay it back to the banks and the government was using taxpayers' money, so you were paying for it anyway. So, like, yeah, like, they just gave you free money. During COVID. During COVID. And I'm like, during this period, the only thing that's going to happen is real estate is going to go up because inflation will increase when the government expenditure increases. Therefore, house prices will go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew it was going to crash at some point and I was wildly off. I thought it was going to be like, December 2020, mm. not like December 2022. But nonetheless, I thought it's going to go up first. So I was still happy to buy. Hmm. Um, I did not see it going up as much as it did. It flew. And actually, if you look at the growth charts between now and 2008, they're almost identical. So it's really nice to just kind of see how that works. You've got a nice smooth curve. And then just before the recession, they go, boof. And they go, boof. Yeah, and they come yeah, back yeah, again. Yeah. And if you te- cut that little bit out, you've actually just got a really nice smooth curve. Yeah. So you just got an inflation beforehand, then a recession, and then it'll pick up again afterwards. I mean, London doubled between 2010 and 2014. Some areas yeah. tripled in value. So you've had a house worth 500 grand in London in 2010. By 2014, it was worth a million. Wow. In five years. I don't care how good your rent-to-rent deal is. I don't care how many deals you sell. You're not yeah. going to do it that fast or that well as you can with cap gains. And cap gains are scalable from one end of the spectrum of a 25 grand house up to several hundred million or billion pound units and it's completely passive you don't do anything you just let the government keep printing you let the fiat system crack on mm-hmm. house prices go up in value you don't have to do anything you just live your life and then you see where that, that point where you said it like turned off like that tap turned off yeah do you think that was the lowest point of your journey i think everyone was before i got deals. into property that was probably harder for me than it was during that moment okay um, but 2020 was a really rough year for me yeah just just mentally like just so stressful because like, i disagreed so much with what was going on not from you know a covid point of view but in terms of th- just the way it was managed and the way it was handled and i'm an entrepreneur right i naturally don't deal well with with authority mm. and, and systems um and then on top of that like i was being stopped from doing what i want to do which i yeah. hate like mel knows that she can't come over to me if i'm mid-email yeah like you let me finish that yeah like you can say something being like just, you know, when you finish that email, give me two minutes. I'm like, yeah, sure. And I'll carry on, finish it. I'm like, right now, now you have my full attention. Okay. Don't stop me halfway. Okay. And when I couldn't go out and do viewings or I couldn't drive around and do this or I couldn't do that, it just angered me that my freedom was being, you know, impeached so much yeah. that I couldn't go out and do what I need to do. And not even like just going live my best life. I mean, like going out and being productive and adding mm. value to the economy and to myself. Mm-hmm. You know, this, this is not me trying to just go out and party. This is like, I wanted to do business. So it was really frustrating for me during that period. And then obviously, generally speaking, business is a lot tougher after that. Mm-hmm. Um, life as a whole was, it was, was, was rough. And the other problem was I've been waiting five years for a recession. Like, I have been Wait for waiting it. for this because nine out of 10 millionaires are major in a recession. Mm. There is more opportunity in a recession than anywhere else. 
everything I'm going to say now, you'd have heard a hundred times. Warren Buffett's like, when people are fearful, be greedy. When people are mm -hmm. greedy, be fearful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the general mindset of all entrepreneurs and about all business opportunities, do the opposite of what the masses are thinking. Well, yeah, during yes. a recession, you have everybody slowing down. So there's one time to speed up. It is now. Then, yeah, and I said, I've been waiting. And on one hand, I am so thankful that I'm at this position now where I have access to capital to take advantage on this than I was back when I started. Mm. Equally, you know, I've been waiting for this. So I'm quite excited now obviously, for, for what's going to be happening moving forward. Um, it, it's obviously rough for a lot of people. And, and just generally speaking, it can still be tough within the real estate business. But there's a lot... There's a lot of opportunity about to come forward. So as long as you know what you're doing, you don't take too big of risks, there is unbelievable upside to be coming. Mm. Um, I'm already seeing houses like 30% below market value. And it's really sad, you know, because I'll go on LinkedIn and I'll see like my old schoolmates who just graduated uni or just bought their first house and mm. stuff. Wait, and how like, old are you, James? I'm 25. 25. Is. Yeah. Okay. Just, We've got a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> but I see people like buying their own homes and I'm like... Uh, and I can look at them like guarantee their new builds. I can mm -hmm. tell by the age of the stonework and stuff. And, and I'm like, yeah. New builds, 10% overvalued the day that you buy them. If mm. you then have a 10 or 15% market drop after that, you're now 25% down. If you've got a 95% mortgage, you're now 20% in negative equity. You could lose your house any day. Everything you spent, all your stamp duty, if you paid it, certainly legal fees, the loans that you got from your family, like, and the help to buy scheme, man, is an equity loan. Oh my gosh. Like, it is a little, the lines do get a bit blurry when you're looking at houses you buy for yourself and ones that you invest in. But when we're investing, we don't pay our mortgages off. We're interest only. We don't do capital repayment. Mm -hmm. The focus behind that and the reason behind that is if you, in my example before, 100 grand house, 75 grand mortgage, mm -hmm. goes up to 200, you know, you now have 125 grand's worth of equity. Except in real world, that 75K has gone down in value. Yes, you're paying interest on it, but you're not paying the interest on it. The tenant is. The actual value of that money has decreased over time. We all know that money loses its value over time. That's mm -hmm. why you don't leave it in the bank. Well, that rate of decrease is called inflation. 9.9% uh, 9, 9 .9 right now here in the UK. That means every year, the real value of your money goes down by 9.9%. That goes for mortgages too. Mm. So that's 75K at current rates, this time next year, will be worth 65 grand. Yeah. You just got 10 grand for free or 10 grand worth of value anyway. Mm -hmm. that pa hey, we're talking about the same thing. We said patience. Yeah, patience, the long to, way. We're talking about the thing, patience. But as you were saying, my man, please continue with the, um, with the um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Robert yeah, so Robert Kiyosaki did a wonderful book called Rich Dad Poor Dad where he talks about how your own home is not an asset mm. and primarily because of maintenance and running costs as your house gets bigger as a rule of thumb if you want to buy like a 20 million pound mansion, about 1% of the value of your house. Uh, in running costs, staff, cleaning, etc., uh, and utilities and everything else. Um, if you buy in the right area and you have good cap gains, then in theory, yes, it can be. But normally, yeah, you would pay off your mortgage. That's also because of the way the debt is structured and some of the risks that go with it. So you probably do want to pay off your mortgage on, on your own home. But you see, in that example I gave, that is a fixed amount that decreases every year. Mm. The help to buy scheme gives you something called an equity loan, okay. where the value of that debt is linked to the value of the house. So if you buy a house for 100 grand with a 75 grand mortgage, you go and help to buy, they give you 20 grand to top it up and you put in your 5%. So you put in five grand, 20 grand from the government, 75 and a mortgage. That house is now worth 200 grand. A 75K mortgage is still only 75K. But because the house price has doubled, the equity loan from the government has also doubled. It's now 40 grand that you owe them. Oh. 
I did a video on this and I reworked the maths. And on average, I reckon the government are making around eight, eight and a half percent wow. per year on their money that they're giving on help to buy. That giving. is insane. 8.8%. Eight to eight and a half percent, yeah. They're entrepreneurs, man. That yeah. is nuts. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is nuts. Lloyd's Bank, um, they do a huge amount of buy-to-let mortgages. There are certain towns and cities that they won't give mortgages anymore because they have too many mortgages in one area. Wow. Lloyd's Bank are pretty much the largest, la largest landlord in the UK. Mm -hmm. You know, people are not stupid. Real estate has been around for a long time. Hell, back in Genesis, they were trading land. And land and houses are the same thing. Mm. A house is, has a bit more utility value than land. Mm. Land can be used to grow crops or it can be used to look at or yeah. walk through. You know, houses can be used for multiple things or buildings can be used for multiple yeah. things. Take this this studio here, right? Mm -hmm. Recording music and, and, and in here we're doing podcasts. They've got a little lounge, you know, all sorts of do shows. Mm -hmm. So you've got much more use with it and hence why a building is worth more than land. But land has been around for a very, very long time and shy of maybe water or oxygen. It's like, it, it's one of the most key things. It's not going to lose it the same way you might lose uh, stocks or, or, or even gold to some extent, although gold is very hard. Land has been around forever and we have a finite amount of land. So your supply and demand curves are very easy to understand. Mm -hmm. There's no more land. We're getting more people. We need more houses. That's why houses go up in value and they will. But they're going up so fast at the moment just because of the way inflation's running. Mm -hmm. And you can benefit from that if you're putting money into property. Most people who invest in real estate make their money in banking or trading or e-commerce or in business doing something else and then they take that lump of cash, they park it in real that. estate mm. because houses are resistant to inflation. Mm. It means they hold their value over time, which is what you want from an investment and that's the capital appreciation side. So yeah, those people are getting started. It will be slow for the first few years, mm -hmm. bringing it back to the patience thing. You know, take your time and understand that, yeah, you're going to see people after 12, 24 months making five, 10 grand a month from their rent to rent and deal sourcing businesses, living their best life. I promise you in 10 years time, they will not still be doing that. They'll have burnt out. They've got tired of it. They won't want to do it anymore or their contracts will be up or they'll be selling bad deals or whatever it might be. I promise you in 10 years time, they won't still be doing it or they'd have transitioned into buying houses for themselves. If you just start there, yeah, your first couple of years won't look quite as lavish as some other people, but in the long run, you will be better off. And when I say long run, I'm talking like five, 10 years. I'm not mm. talking like 30 years here. Mm. And actually over a 30 year period, you know, growth is exponential. You've got a head start. You're going to be leagues ahead of them. And understand that every every business journey goes like this. Yeah, hockey stick. Yeah. And then it goes up and then mm -hmm. it plateaus and then it goes up and you're going to have these plateau moments throughout and then there will be a big period of growth yeah. afterwards. Hockey um, stick indeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. So be patient and understand how that works. And even after you've had a big period of growth, you know, there's going to be a flat point again afterwards. And then, yeah, you learn how to scale it and you can move it a little bit quicker and stuff. But take your time and, and I would say just buy houses. Getting on the housing ladder is a good thing, just mm. not necessary for you to live in yourself. Mm -hmm. mm. Question, right? So obviously you said to us that you're 25 years old mm -hmm. and you just mentioned a minute ago how people come to property from business backgrounds, e-commerce mm -hmm. backgrounds, and they come in with the lump sums of money into property. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that these people are older than you at 25 years old, right? Or some of them potentially, the business people. So how is it like for you to come into the, to be in this world of property yeah. being so young relatively to people around you? Oh, that's a good question. I love it. Especially as I presume most of you, the audience are going to be relatively young. Yeah. yeah. You know, when you're at school, you didn't really mix with the years above or the mm -hmm. years below. Mm -hmm. You might have done, but a lot of places. Generally, it's just your year. You just don't do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Age is massive. It's like, oh, they're 16. Oh, I'm 15. Oh, I'm the oldest in the year. You're the youngest, whatever. 
Mm. You get into the real world, no one cares about your age, man. Mm. Like, practically no one ever really said anything to me. I think it's partly because I knew what I was doing and I was coherent and articulate. But at the same time, no one really cares. Mm. And one thing I say to people all the time is like, you don't need experience to be right. Mm -hmm. It helps. And it helps demonstrate that you're probably right, but you don't real need concept. it to be right. You can still be right. You can still have a cracking deal that makes fantastic money and never have done one before. Yeah. And don't even know if you've got a good deal. It could still be a good deal, so you can still sell it, you can still JV, you can still do what you want to do. Mm -hmm. So Asian was never really a massive thing for me. Um, I've legitimately met people in property who are 14 years old doing deals. Wow. It makes sense. Like, it is a people business. You don't need to know how to relate bricks. You don't need to understand the construction side of it, if that's not your kettle of fish. It's a people business. It's building relationships, building rapport, understanding what people want, asking questions, you know, and then implementing what you learn. Implementation is incredibly key. And I think everybody you've had on here today, well, not today, but you know, everyone you've had on this has probably spoken about implementation. Action. Yeah, action. Mm -hmm. It's the most important thing. Grant Cardone's like massive action solves every problem. If you don't know what you're doing and you, you have bills to pay or whatever, just stop picking up the phone and seeing what you can sell to someone. Mm -hmm. Someone will buy something from you. <laughs> like, it'll just happen. That's yeah. how you bring money in. And it's then a numbers game. Just like you were saying with the, game. you have an investor in your phone. Yeah. And that, that actually leads me on to one question I was actually going to ask. Mm. In terms of this kind of economic period that we're going into, yeah, yeah. what would be your keys in terms of like telling people how to get into this industry? Because nice. you, as you said, it's a game of capital. Like yeah. you need capital. However, you don't always need capital. Am I right in saying that? Capital always been needed to do a deal, but it doesn't have to be your own capital. That's what I'm trying to say, yeah. That's the key thing. I mean, right now I'm gearing up with a couple of very select clients with pretty large pots. And we're going to be buying a lot of houses over the next couple of years. Lovely. But just like very cheap. Mm -hmm. So let's say a house is worth 100 grand. We'll pick it up for 60, 65. Mm. Damn. Yeah. 35% below or more. value. Damn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 30% will be our cutoff. Anything mm. above that, I'm not interested. Even if it's 20, 25% below market value, I think I'll get a great deal. We won't buy it. And it doesn't have to come out of your pocket? No. I'll get fees on this. So this is more of a sourcing arrangement. Mm. But because of the amount we're going to be buying and like the fees on a per deal basis... Um, it'll rack up relatively quickly and I'll be able to do a few of my own. Mm -hmm. um, I've also got a few houses coming to the end of the the, the, the period of the deal where I'm going to get some capital returned to me and I'll have some of my own money back to play with. That makes sense. So what, let me ask you a question, right, yeah? And it's something we should always ask our guests as we, as we wrap up now. Mm -hmm. I know it's been like plus an hour now. Oh, it's been like hour 40. Hour 40? Yeah. Gosh, it's been, like yeah, that's been, it's been very, 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 very... It's going to be a strong edit on this one. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, the question we want to ask you, obviously right now, coming to a point where we're in a recession, mm. which means you're going to be profiting a lot. Mm -hmm. The question is, right, is James happy with where he is right now on this journey? I'm excited. I honestly, I'm too excited to know whether or not I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, I'm just, I'm too, yeah, I'm too buzzing for what's, what's, what's around the corner. And I think, so yeah, I am happy with it. There's always bits in your journey, right, that you wish went went differently or of went course. faster. And hindsight is always twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. But yeah, I'd say generally speaking, I'm happy. Uh, there's there's a lot to still be accomplished. There's a lot I still want to do. There's there's plenty of things I still want to want to move on to. And yeah, but generally speaking, I'm I'm just itching to get going and exciting. Mm. And yeah, things turn very quickly in a week, which is pretty rare. But I'm kind of like all right let's get into it then let's get into it you know I've, I've been waiting for this and knowing it's been coming seeing inflation rise throughout 2022 like i've been lining up clients with money who understand all of this so when yes. i'm having these conversations i'm like just park like two mil stick it to one side for six months or nine months however long it is when the market crashes we are going to be buying mm -hmm. and we're going to be buying loads of stuff mm -hmm. all over the place any condition any area just like as long as it's cheap we'll have it 
know, because it's not about all the other stuff. We can solve all those problems and yields start meaning less. And, oh, rents will double in the next 24 months. Rents will double in the next 24 months. You said that, you know, I saw something on Twitter today. Someone was talking Rents about always how, go up in recession. They were talking about how they, there needs to be a cap on, on rent because it's, it's going up so so. It's going up so yeah, they, so they tried this in Ireland and, and they're trying it in Scotland now. And um, all it means is that people leave those areas. Um, they did it in Ireland, I think. 20 years ago early 2000s i think um anyway 10 years after they did it there were twenty three thousand houses on the market when they announced it 10 years later there were 900 same area all you do because bear in mind mortgages go up prices go up you know rents have to go up too otherwise yeah. landlords won't rent you can't rent out a property if the rent is less than your costs on it mm-hmm. it doesn't make financial sense you just won't do it mm-hmm. for laws of supply and demand you can't argue with economics. Yeah. The laws of economics are laws of nature, like the laws of physics. You can't break them even if you want to. Mm. Like They just are what they are. If you sell something for less than you buy it for, you lose money. Yeah, bad so business. It's just bad yeah. business. Yeah. So when you implement a cap, and it might be linked to some form of government, you know, irrelevant index or some crap, it doesn't make sense because the market is a free market. It's self-regulating in and of itself. I can't put on a flat out there and try and rent it out for 10 grand a night. It just won't work. Mm. It will have a specific market value, which is based on how many people want to rent it and what they're prepared to pay. And then everybody else does that and you end up with a market rent, which is always a range. It's never yeah. a specific number. Yeah. It's subjective. So you then put a market cap, a, 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 a rental price cap on it. It's right for the first couple of years. But as mortgage rates go up, as utility costs go up, because if you're renting out HMOs, which are the cheapest form of rent on the... That's on the most side multiple of, occupancies. There's my man. Mm. A bit like a student house. Yeah. yeah. Um, bills are included in that. Mm. So is your insurance. Everything else is included. So as those prices go up, if your rent is capped, the, the, the landlord's making less money, he'll just sell. Mm. Well, now you have less people renting. Mm-hmm. So 2016, we had Section 24 tax changes meant that any landlord who owned their own owned their houses in their own name had to pay a lot more tax. I mean, like a ludicrously large amount more tax. 2020, they changed the eviction regulations with COVID and they changed something else recently. I've forgotten as well. Obviously, interest rates are going up and energy prices are going up as well. Mm. And those first two were... Oh, that was it. They brought in uh, EPC changes so that by 2025, landlords have to spend money to make the house more energy efficient. Practice, no one really cares about that, by the way. No one ever looks at the EPC when they buy a house or rents a house, but mm. the government's pushing it forwards. Uh, those three things uh, single-handedly changed the rental market. During 2020, on average, in any previous year, around about 8 to 10% of houses on the market used to be rentals, Right. If you take Newcastle-upon-Tyne in the northeast mm. during 2020, 42% of houses on the market were ex-rentals. Wow. wow. If you start squeezing landlords, you make them pay more tax, you make them invest, and eco-friendly stuff is ludicrously expensive. You know, mm-hmm. you're asking a landlord to stick his hand in his pocket and pay 15 grand. A lot of houses, especially up north, only make like £150 a month. What? How many years of profit are you are you asking the landlord to pay What's to upgrade the, his that's house why that's, for no purpose? Yes, that's why that also not. reduces his equity because the price you pay for the goods don't even increase the value of the yeah. house the same amount. Like it's just a stupid decision. Yeah. And then obviously you bring in tax changes and you make it more difficult for tenants to leave. I, it took like 18 months to start evicting tenants when COVID hit. Like landlords just go, it's not worth it. It's not worth it's the hassle. You now have less places to rent. If you've got half as many places to rent and the same amount of people who want to rent, or you have a recession where people can't even get lending because they can't afford it, now you have twice as many people renting and originally half as many people renting, uh, offering houses to rent, what happens to your price of your rent? It goes through the roof. Mm-hmm. 
every time. Mm. All the decisions that the government make, especially left-wing politicians who are pushing forwards for more protection for renters, it just backfires on the renters. I feel like I just want to move countries. I want to go to Bali or something. Bali? Bali. Bali. Oh, I think where's Bali? <laughs> Bali. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, but then obviously there's a lot of responsibilities that I have here, so it makes it difficult to do that. But yeah. I'm thinking of traveling two months here, one month away, mm. two months here, one month away, mm-hmm. and all the stuff that we need to do, do it in two that months, month. So it's like yeah. every quarter I'm flying out basically because yeah. I can work from my laptop. I can do it from yeah, anywhere. Yeah, yeah. I think. Yeah, well, I remember a couple of years ago I made ten grand while I was away skiing, like selling deals. Wow. So I'd work in the morning. Mm. Go up like eight or whatever, bash out some 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 stuff. I'd send people who were still at home to go view for me. They'd send me the video tours. I'd mm. ring up, sell the deals, bank the money, and then go ski in the afternoon and go out for dinner. Problem solved. Like you don't have to do everything here. There's a lot of ways in which you can make business work for you. And the working from home movement is obviously a big movement, although it's starting to reverse again because people understand that you know there's social issues. You're not meeting people, and yeah. generally speaking, you are less um, productive. Yeah. You know, not everybody is an entrepreneur, and that is okay. Not everybody is meant to be self-accountable. You know, not everybody's meant to manifest their dreams. Oh, I, everyone's meant to manifest their dreams and everyone is meant to like do that through like an entrepreneurial style way. Sometimes it's just do regular hard work, mm-hmm. working for the man. And that's okay. And quite frankly, I'm really happy that we have people like that because as an entrepreneur, I'm going to need staff. If you can't employ anybody because no one wants to be employed, then yeah, you've got a bit of a problem. So <laughs> employees are very important. Mm. Um, but yeah, find out again. It comes back to what do you want to do, man? I, I fully support you. Know, if you're going to be happier doing that and, and just as productive, if not more so, then yeah, you should start tomorrow. I feel like I will be. And then that's in 2023 that I'm thinking of doing that. Good man. We'll do that actually. Come on. Um, because I feel like I'm when I'm somewhere else, I feel so much more inspired. So even, for example, when I went to Spain, I remember just waking up, looking outside, hearing the birds, smelling the fresh air, like seeing the sea. And then just being able to wake up and then just go outside on the balcony, yeah. just sit down. I remember your snacks. Crack out my, I remember yeah, your snacks. Yeah, crack yeah, up, yeah, get, yeah, get some fruit, crack out my laptop, get to do so a little bit. So, cause some, sometimes I just like to work straight as just, you know, drink some water, have some fruit, work or oh, read when I wake up. Five minutes getting up, being awake. Do you see, uh, because oh. that's wow. another thing we got, we got to talk about I have about a this. super short morning routine. I can't do it. I can't get up this. a shower in the morning. I'm too eager to get stuff done. Really? That's too much, too much on my mind about what I want to achieve. Yeah, because you wake up thinking about what's, what's the yeah. next thing that you can start doing. So how long from the moment you wake up do you, until you start your work? How long I've, I've had to, I've had to, chill myself out but then that's in my head of thinking that i need this morning routine i need to do this then this then this then this and it's got like shorter and shorter and shorter to the to the point where now i wake up brush my teeth wash my face then eat and then straight after i've eaten i'm I'm that's jokes same thing for me but make a cup of coffee and then i'm writing emails and i'll be drinking my coffee while i'm working and emails i don't i don't look at them first thing yeah you start emails uh probably strictly speaking whatsapp Mm-hmm. Unless I get a call that wakes me up or you know whatever, then I'm doing that. But yeah, predominantly it's gonna be like WhatsApp, um, getting back to like the immediate messages and stuff, and mm-hmm. then probably jump on emails. Yeah, my to-do list you see is in three places: it's responding messages, responding to emails, and then whatever is on my physical to-do list. I just have a to-do list and I just work through it. Mm-hmm. I was like fancy CRM system here, managing my diary. It's like, what have I got to do? Write it down, get it done. Mm-hmm. Simple, simple, Bob's simple. Drunk, action, man. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. we we could talk for ages. We talk for ages, <laughs> talk for ages. but guys. This is a very, very informative episode, man. I really enjoyed it. I learned a lot. I was, as I said beforehand, this is yeah, probably, one of, my quiet, it probably one of my quietest episodes. <laughs> I just I've never man. seen Rob so quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Rob was just like, I'm just taking it in. I was like, JV, BRR, RAH, <laughs> <laughs> R-A-H. But guys, <laughs> I like that. But guys, 
Thank you so much for listening today. Thank you. An amazing episode. I hope you guys took James away from this one here. Mm. If we're here to end right now, please leave a comment. If you're on audio, five star ratings, trust and believe and believe and trust. It goes a long way for us too. And if you're on YouTube, please leave a comment, leave a like, and share with your people. As John always says, share one person, man. One person. Give them, give them 10 minutes of purpose and trust and believe they will be a fan. Mm-hmm. I'm a fan and supporter. Join the family, guys. But guys, have an amazing day. Mm. And bef- the week. And before we even cut out to before. that, thank you so much for joining oh, yes. us, James. Thank Thanks you. for having me, man. This was good oh, fun. Of no, this, this was amazing. Really fun, yeah. This is amazing. This is the, like, we like to be educated. Yes. Yeah. We've been entertained for so long. I think us as people, like, we've just been entertained for so long. We need to get educated. Educate. And what we like to do is entertainment. So it's education and like ed- entertainment mm, at the I same time. Like because we just guys having a conversation. That's what we yeah. do, yeah. That's this it, is, and it's a valuable conversation. What life is as well. Yeah. Exactly. Just people communicate. Yeah. Exactly. You know? That's what it's all about. That's what it should be about. Yeah, That's yeah, literally yeah. all it should be about. But anyway, if you want to find out more about James, then go head over to his pages. There'll be either something floating here or floating there in or the down in the description. Yeah. There'll definitely be stuff something in the description. description uh, but go check that out and go check James out and check us out. But yes, without further ado, good night, good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in this world. Just enjoy your day and we'll see you next time. Let's get it. Bye. Cheers.